Hello, I'm Mirella. Hello, I'm Zoe. Welcome to the Critical Obsession podcast. Our latest obsession has been a Thai BL called Dangerous Romance. The episodes are free to watch on YouTube. There will be spoilers, so you should definitely go and watch a series before listening to us fun girl about it. A little disclaimer, this will contain our personal opinions, random thoughts and theories. There will be cursing and also be aware that topics may be adult in nature and alcohol may be involved. Our laughter will be painful to listen to, but bear with us. Last time we reacted to the latest episode of Dangerous Romance, but now we want to talk about it some more. If you're still with us after all of this, join us on our downward spiral into our obsessions. I don't really know where to start. I mean, obviously at the beginning makes the most sense, but yeah. I have stuff to say about the beginning. Um, I wonder if I should just mention first that I had a tooth pulled today. So if I make any weird noises or anything, I apologize in advance for that. But yeah, okay. Well, if you have something to say, I mean, like, look, the first, so much happened in that very first part. Like it was like whiplash. It really mm-hmm. was. Um, and so much foreshadowing of Kang thinking Salom had left him when he wakes up first. But yeah, anyway, you said you had stuff to say. So I'll let you, I'll let you yeah, rush, rush so- straight in. So Kang wakes up alone in the bed, right? And he is kind of anxious not to find mm. Salom there. And then we see Salom coming into the frame and Salom continues to take care of him and offers himself once again without even being asked. Mm-hmm. He offers his scent, he offers food. The fact that he appears in the frame wearing Kang's jersey with Kang's name on his back Mm-hmm. Almost like he's he's declaring that Kang does own him. Yeah, ownership. Yeah, that, yeah, that he gifted himself to Kang. He's there to provide for all his needs. He even plays the role of the hotel staff, right? When bringing the food, he declares ser- very clearly, serving him. Exactly, he declares very clearly, "I am yours." And it's a role play between them because Kang even asks, "Why does the hotel staff wear my jersey?" He is even marked physically with a hickey. No, no, right. I mean, it's a continuation of the declaration from the previous episode. I am yours. Take care of me. Take care of your things. I am your thing, basically. Mm-hmm. I'm here for you. It's funny and- that you mentioned, <laughs> sorry, it's funny that you mentioned the um, him walking in in that scene with the jersey on because it reminded me of, like in like motorcycle gangs and stuff like often like with girlfriends and that they'll make them wear like uh you know like a special vest or whatever and it usually has like a property of and like the person's name on it and it just I don't know why but when I was watching that scene it made me think of that and I also that's how I also got to the ownership thought as well but yeah continue you know, no wonder he feels like he feels worthless when Kang throws him out later because he basically transformed himself into a thing right yeah. now that he owns. It's interesting too, isn't it? Because like for someone who he is, like he re- he rejects Kang's wealth when it's offered to him, yet he is putting himself in alignment with something that he thinks, you know, Kang will find value in like a like an object and yet Salom is the most important thing out of everything that he has and like and honestly know, he can never really own him you know what I mean like not really yeah because you know what I'm thinking even though Salom thinks that this is what Kang needs because that's why he does it I think what Kang actually wanted was to find him 
besides himself in the bed when he woke up. Oh yeah, he That's just yeah. Get he didn't need all this. He just no. wanted to be for him to he be just, in the bed. With yeah, him. he just wants salon. That's it. There's no like there is no. He has no specific demands on him or expectations. He just wants him, like essentially. And it's interesting that Salom is doing this, and it's it's even more so in this. Like it's like he's gone a step further. It's like is this him trying to hold on? Like is this his way of trying to hold on? Like is he more insecure, or you know, since they were together, or like I I don't know. It's just it's, it is an interesting. Uh, he probably dynamic. is because. Because when he loses Kang, he loses his self of self because he did not feel this worthless before mm-hmm. all this happened. Although there is also this thing of him when you fall in love and it's your first love, you and even if you don't fall in love, when someone throws you away out like this, you don't know who you are anymore. But yeah. added to this, the fact that he made a thing out of himself that Kang can own, it, no wonder, no wonder he feels like that later. I mean... Yeah, I mean, he actually literally in the last episode, like in episode nine, he literally, like, not only does he verbally say to Kang, you know, like, I'm yours, he gives himself to him as well. So uh, there's a whole, like, another depth to their, like, this feeling of belonging and, you know, he, he has essentially given something to Kang that he can never get back again. And then you're addicted to my scent, aren't you? And let me taste a god. <laughs> I'm just like, I yeah. <laughs> and I, I'm like, I, I feel the need to, I'm going to mention it here, but I'm not going to like get into it. I'll wait until we get to that part. But mm-hmm. the scene, the scene where like basically Salom is denying that anything untoward happened and you know it's just a mosquito bite like nothing happened I tended to your wounds and then we went right to bed um Mm -hmm. and then we have the scene of Kang jumping on him here and kissing him on the neck and it's such a a mirror like a twisted mirror image of the scene that we get later on but there is one part of the scene that is mirrored perfectly um and I'll mention it later on Oh, yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know where you're going with this. Uh, but also, you remember, I, I, we talked about how in a lot of dramas, after the sex happens, they go back to being all... Oh, yeah. You know, and in this, they continue no, to be no, sweet and cute, which me. I loved. Yes, I, I, I love it. There's a yeah. difference. There is a difference. Yeah, I loved it. And I love, you know, we, we talked about this in the reaction as well, but like Kang you know, seeing this this part of Kang where he's showing, like, maturity and, like, this desire to do the right thing and, you know, do, making choices for the right reasons, like doing this for himself, like not for, mm-hmm. not for Salom, not for his father, but because he it's something he wants to do and because it's the right thing. It shows, like, great maturity and everything and it's such a juxtaposition to later on when he's basically, like, <laughs> reverts back to... <laughs> not being as mature but then we're not when we're hurt like even as adults like when we're hurt and we're like we feel defenseless or we're scared we can act like children like we do act, yeah because we we, we lash back out to the core we, of what we are yeah that's right we just but I, I did like that we got that scene I really thought it was really cute yes 
Yeah. And I had to say, remember we were wondering if Kang's friends know already, and of course they know. I don't think there's really anyone left in that school not knowing that they're together. Well, but I mean, if you think about like when is it was it before Selom like even agreed to date him like Kang kept falling around blowing kisses and shit and I mean I suppose <laughs> there could have been a faction of people who were like well this is a new take on the bullying um but like <laughs> in, in general considering Selom's reaction to the kisses being blown and the you know letters being thrown and the fact that they suddenly were start like spending all this time together and that uh, yeah I think it's probably pretty like well known that they're a thing i would be surprised if like kang has like started a rumor or something about them that <laughs> you know like they're together just so that everybody knows that salam's like uh-huh, hands uh-huh. Off. He is <laughs> yeah he's like he 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 started it but like it's like it sounds like it come from a third party <laughs> i have a thing to say about the watch i think it's interesting that um what the thing that uh, Kang's dad gives to Sci-Fi is a watch. Do you mm. know about the watch superstition as a gift? No, I can't. I know there's a yeah. bunch of a bunch of like superstitions for gifts and stuff. Like I know like purses and knives and stuff, but I don't mm-hmm. know about watches. So around here, like you're not supposed to give people watches as gifts mm-hmm. because it's bad luck, and it's also like. Like you're counting down to something that's going to happen. And um, I looked online and apparently in Chinese history, the watch is seen as a curse. So because when the two Chinese symbols for watch and gift are put together, they create a word that means funeral. Mm, Yeah, it's like counting down to one's death. Well, it's interesting too because I remember reading a like it was I don't know if it was a like an actual novel or if it was like a fan fiction or like what it was, but I remember reading a story once, and in it, the there was this whole premise of, um, like this person gave another person a watch, and mm-hmm. when they did that, it, they actually gave the person part of their life. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I read that uh, when uh, when uh, the master do you call it the master the craftsman that creates the watch? Mm-hmm. What do you call it? Yeah, 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 yeah. When they create the watch, they put a part of their soul into that watch. I think I read something like this when yeah, it it was sort of it was sort of like that, but like the it was mm-hmm. like this person was. I think the person who got given a watch was like dying or something. I can't really remember. Mm-hmm. And um, the person who gave them the watch, when they gave them the watch, like their fate changed. Like it turned from them living until they were like 100 or something to living only until they were like 60. Or there was something weird that happened. I really I really can't remember, but I did think it was when you started talking about the watch thing, I thought, well, that's an interesting thought as well because, you know, the father gave him some of his, you know, time, I guess, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah. So... The sci-fi name scene. Oh my god! Before we do that, can we just go back for a second to the guy Narva teasing them at at the game? Because I'm like, I I still I'm like, what are we now? How many days are we like gone past? And I'm still maintaining that you know, um, <laughs> except for where, except for when they got to the bit where they like broke up or whatever. But like from then until when they broke up, like King was like planning their entire future. <laughs> 
<laughs> from the honeymoon comment. But yeah, considering very- how she, yeah how he reacted to the word honeymoon, yeah, like, no wonder he couldn't even like get it out. His voice like broke. I just loved it. It was the best. Like it was so good. Uh, on point there. Um, but yeah, the name name and Sapphire. Like I, I literally am so confused. I have no ideas really. And by that I mean I'm totally lying. Of course I do. But I'm just <laughs> like I, I don't know what are we meant to think. You know, like I. I watched the episode with uh again with my mom and she's like oh so like did he do it I'm like we have no idea like they've done a really good job because like we literally have no idea what happened in that room I mean my theories are yeah I don't know what to say because they they do these things like for example we've been far and for we've said far and with uh the dad that you know they kind of make this hints that they could be the story could be a bit different and you're supposed mm. to wonder and then it kind of disappears and you'll find different uh, justifications for the things that just happened. So I'm not sure. I mean, the trailer would make us think that name is going to try attempt to kill the father, right? But yeah, I mean, really, he look, it, really they spoil things like this. Yeah, it looks like how they're leading towards that. But I don't know. I mean, like this is, yeah, that's my theory. Name is bad or name is good and Sophia's protecting him or it has nothing to do with name at all and the bad guys have threatened Salom and so Sophia's you know whatever but because I'm just I'm really lost like I I really I I really don't want name to be bad like I want Sophia Mm -hmm. to be happy too so Saifar says his dream is to travel around the world so basically his dream is freedom he feels trapped right and it's interesting how he actually end up, ends up in the opposite situation, in jail. And then he says, I remember everything about you. I just didn't expect to run into you under this, those circumstances. So name also has been a dream for him. He wanted to meet him again. This means mm. he thought of him. And also... Yeah, I mean, it's like there, it's like he's, it, it, it's like a mirroring of... Salom having this like uh, these feelings for Kang for like years it's like Safai did this but with name exactly and also I had this thought that someone who's happy with what they're doing wouldn't say something like you must be disappointed to see me like this so him being manipulative here doesn't feel right I mean name says this mm. And then Saifa uh, says he sees the world na- name in him and that's all that he needs to be happy, which is, yeah, very Siloam of him. Very mm-hmm. Siloam, just Siloam seeing the goods and the old uh, Kang uh, in the bully, mm-hmm. right? So he basically offers his dream of freedom and traveling uh, to the lost name. But, you know, they're not free right now and it's going to get worse. And... I still, I think there's something there. I don't, I refuse to accept that name is uh, evil. Yeah, I don't want him to be evil because I want Sophia to be happy. Um, it's interesting. You, you said a couple of things that just made my brain go ding, ding, ding. So mm-hmm. you you mentioned about how like clearly Sophia is like his desire is freedom. And I mean, it makes sense because he he would feel trapped by his circumstance and mm-hmm. and like even by his brother to a certain extent because he yeah. had to make decisions and do certain things that maybe right he would have done if he didn't have to stick around for Salom. Yeah. And also like 
this idea of now he's like trapped in prison it's interesting because for some people that is a actually a freedom like there is uh, uh there are some people that repeatedly commit crimes because they feel more comfortable inside than they do outside so it's it's interesting i mean he wouldn't have to worry about money or you know like lots of things there would be freedom in a lot of that but it's just the thing that that like i thought was interesting with name and safai and him being you know potentially manipulatively or not like i just felt like you said, he doesn't, in this moment, he seems earnest. Like, he doesn't seem like he's bad. He's vulnerable. Yeah, he does. He seems vulnerable. And he seems, like, touched is the wrong word, but, like, pleasantly surprised that Sophia has thought about him or that he mm-hmm. has positive thoughts about him. Um, it's like he believes, suddenly believes maybe I do have, maybe there is actually a chance for me to turn things around. Yeah, if someone else believes in me, and I feel like if he was evil, right? Like, then they wouldn't have included the scene where he went to talk to his boss because yeah. he, in that scene, he's he is once again earnestly, like mm-hmm. you know, a- applying to leave that position. He does not want to do it. Like, if it was a scam or if it was whatever, then he would you know we wouldn't have got that scene that being said it could be a red herring there is that whole fable about the uh what is it it's something it's the it's the scorpion and something and they cross the river together do you know the story i'm talking about Mm -hmm. yeah is it a i can't remember what it is what the animal is (laughs) that crosses on the scorpion's back i don't remember it's the no, scorpion. the scorpion was on someone else's back, I think. That's right. That's right. And they get halfway to the middle and the scorpion stings him. And he says, why did you yeah. do that? Now we're both going to die. And he says, it's in my nature. And I must admit, while I was watching this scene, I thought about that because he is he may want to have this like life that mm-hmm. is other than what he has. But he said that thing in the previous episode when he showed up to get Sophia's help with his bullet wound about how like basically he kind of like grew in grew in this like grew up in this or something or like you know uh, it's really hard to change your station and to change your life from something that's like that dark like I mean people do it all the time so you can do it like it is achievable but at the same time at the same time this is something that's happening to the main characters oh yeah it it is this is the thing this is what they all basically have to do Kang changes so much and Salom as well. And maybe, maybe this is also something that name goes is going through. I, I don't necessarily mean though. Like I'm not necessarily commenting on him changing. I'm talking about like him actually having the opportunity to be allowed to change because like clearly mm-hmm. this guy does not want to let him go. The one that's the boss. Yeah. So like, yeah. it's all well and good if he wants to change. And all you have to do is look at this scene, like look at name, the character name. In this scene, like when when Sophia comes out and he's cleaning, he's washing the car, he's doing something that like, you know, is basically it's menial manual labor. Like you, a lot of people would be like, I'm not doing that job because it's like, you know, you get dirty, you get wet, you know, you're, you're cleaning something amazingly beautiful and expensive for someone else. And, you know, mm-hmm. like and all the rest of it. But he looks happy and free and young and just like yeah, it's the he best says he, it. he says yeah. I don't mind his job. 
Yeah. Like he looks the best he's seen. Like in all of the other scenes we've had him in, he's like grumpy or he's angry or he looks unhappy or like whatever. And so like he wants this. I truly do believe that he wants the good thing. And it's interesting as well that he seems to be trying to help Salom like help Safai. So is it is it like is he also being threatened? Like is he trying to help Safai without like let anyone letting like letting anyone know that that's what he's trying to do because he knows they're watching like after he went and saw the boss yeah. um and he knew everything like he knows they're watching he knows you know yeah. like so he couldn't just go to uh Salom and like give him the watch or like give him money yeah. or whatever but like by doing what he did it was like he was trying to get him to like get him help basically I saw a post on I think it was on tumblr where someone said about how he was trying to help his his future brother-in-law get his like honey out of prison (laughs) and i was just like i love that i hope it's true but um yeah i had this question yeah like what whose watch is this yeah well i mean i didn't like even though like salom like fondles it a lot i couldn't really get a good enough look at it to know whether or not is it is it the watch like the father's watch Uh i i don't know it's like what watch is that? I just I feel, I feel like I really would like Sophia to be happy as well. So I'm mm-hmm. because and I mean I guess the thing is as well is as you said they're all trying to change. They're all trying to grow. You know to break Sophia, free from their circumstances. Yeah, that's right. Sophia, Not to be what they expected to be. That's right. And I mean even so even Kang is the same. You know, like he doesn't want to be. Yeah, you know, the poor little rich kid or whatever. He so it's but it's like, you know, wouldn't it be a tragedy if everybody else gets their way but name doesn't? Like and it's just but would that really be a tragedy because like, you know, does anyone actually care about him? You know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> So, I, I mean, I do now. Like, I was watching that scene and I was like, oh, my God, I fucking hate you guys because, like, now I'm, like, invested and I mm-hmm. really don't want anything bad to happen to them. And I, I, I before we had this episode, I was convinced that he was going to get killed um, and that it would just happen in the house and that Safai would get blamed for it. Um, mm. So when they wheeled out their father, I was, like, a little bit relieved. <laughs> <laughs> I felt bad, but I was, like, a little bit relieved. I'm like, if it has to be somebody, as long as it's not grandma or name, I'm good. But, yeah, no, I was just, like, but he is, he does seem really suspicious, though, in the same in the same vein as that. Because, like, the way he's, like, questioning the grandmother about, like, the father. You and- know, even before that when name comes to pick up Kang's father and he says he he's changing his plans and he's going to the game mm. name looks troubled he looks kind of upset mm. because the plans cha- changed like was Kang's father not supposed to be in the house yeah that's what i was thinking too i i feel like maybe he came back and he wasn't meant to be there and something happened i also i yep. question as well whether or not sapphire was even there when it happened because and i don't know i don't know if this is a conversation you and i had or if i mentioned it in the reaction podcast but like he's meant to be like a you know a care a care carer caregiver whatever he seems to have some sort of yep. medical background like he would know like he his first instinct if he had been there and was innocent which we're like <laughs> i'm like 99% sure that he is would be to stop the bleeding. Like they, the doctor says, and I, I swear to God, I was like, I'm just like, oh my God, the way they 
the way the doctors are yeah. on these shows with the, oh, my God, he's going to be fine. Surgery was fantastic, but he may still die. It was supposedly because of a loss of blood, right? So if but he was like... Like we as viewers, if we see him drenched in blood, the, he it makes him look guilty. But he came out clean. So it's like for us, he looks clean. He looks innocent. Maybe well, it's a visual thing that they try to maintain here. Maybe. I mean, I don't know though. Like, I mean, also depending on where he was standing when he shot the father, he could he should have blood on him as well. But I mean, I maybe I'm I'm looking at it too too rationally, too too much logic, like too much real yeah, realism maybe. and stuff. But maybe it's just maybe it's because I'm expecting more from the drama because they've done such a good job in everything else so far. I'm expecting them to be factually accurate. Maybe they're just not going to be. But I just I just feel like if he had been in the room and he was able to now like the 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 word because I said something to my mom about it and she said, Well, what if he was there but he was restrained in some way? That would also fit, you know, like mm-hmm. not being able to to stop. Yeah. Um, like to help and stop the bleeding sort of thing. So um, in actual fact, it it would have actually been better in terms of guilt and even like possible for, at least from my perspective, for innocence, if he did have blood on his hands because he could have, like from the police's perspective, he's he's got, you know, um, Kang's father's blood on him. And from my perspective as someone who like feels like he would, have tried to stop and help then he should have blood on his hands you know what I mean yeah I know what you mean but um, at the same time I'm wondering if they did this on purpose just to let make him look clean maybe I don't know we'll see yeah okay yeah. so and also I, I it's funny how in, they introduced the like father like something here it's like a hint for what's going to happen it's like an explanation of uh, Kang's reaction of his dad's reaction that they're not good in a stressful situation they're going to freak out and do some stupid shit and not only that the other parallel between them is not only are they not good that they they get and this is why they can't have a this is why they can't have a conversation together the two of them because Mm -hmm. they get irrational they get angry and then they lash out right and the other thing that they have in common is that they don't function with a, without the person that they love. So without the person they love, they, like, are just yes. stupid. They do stupid yes. shit. <laughs> and they're, they're quick to judge sometimes. Like uh, King's dad with Saifa and now Kang with both patients. So then the don't tell me your boss asked you to kill someone, Saifa asking name, and name says, no, I need you your help with quite a few things yeah and yeah i don't know (laughs) then we get the scene on the bike i know you want to say something about the windmills here probably with uh kanga and silom and the windmills in the background they're on the bike i just want to say that you know what it reminds me of well freedom is the oxygen of the soul (laughs) (laughs) what them on the bike together it's so funny yes and also salon spreads his hands at some point and like it's so funny that you said that though because isn't that scene like actually white and um oh my god i can't remember what mon's character's name is isn't he on Uh, the back of mon's bike (laughs) but i understand the connection yeah (laughs) 
but okay. yeah, so... I did want to mention the the windmill imagery in yeah. this episode, and not just even this episode in in like pretty much a multiple episodes at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, if we do do a full rewatch at some point, I'm really curious. There's so many things I want to like go and and pay attention to like the doors the the Mm -hmm. bathrooms the you know like all of this stuff that we've got and I'm gonna add the windmills to it as well because like in pretty much all of the scenes that I've actually noticed and paid attention to all the windmills are moving right which is great because if we ever get a scene where the windmills are fixed with no movement I'll die because it means it's all over for them um, yeah. As long as the, like, windmill- like the windmill stopping moving at the titles and like yeah. you freaking out every time. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. As long as the windmills keep turning, then they've got a future together. That's that's the imagery mm-hmm. that I'm seeing, and I feel like it's important to notice because I know um, there were people online talking about different like things and and you know the windmills represent Kang and and all that sort of stuff. But like I think I feel like it's important and to notice. Salon, of Sorry, course. Kang and Salon because they're moving. Exactly, yeah. It's important to note that, like, the windmills need the wind to turn. Like, they serve no purpose. How can someone forget that wind is also involved in this equation? I know, right? So it's like, the, they, like, they literally serve no purpose if there's no wind. Like, they are, they cease to function, which is interesting. Uh, it's an interesting metaphor if we think about, like, what happens later in the episode, um, that the, the, the windmill ceases to function when the wind's not around. Um, yeah, it's even, like, he basically disappears. Like, there's no scene with him. He's not there. Like, when Salom leaves, like, he doesn't exist anymore. We're focused on Salom. It's like... Hmm. Yeah. And it's, so it's we- interesting, too, because, um, like, we're jumping... I'm jumping ahead. But it's interesting to me because when we get the scene coming up where, you know, Kang's in his room crying and Salom's packing yeah. his bags and everything, um, like... I, I had this question in my mind, like when he goes to the door and is going to knock, like what is he going to do there? Because he, he, he has the flashback memory of Kang asking him to open the door and let him into his heart sort of thing. And so initially I was like, is he trying to do something similar or was he just going to say goodbye? I think I have some notes about it, but I don't know. Yeah. Well, we can, we can, we, we'll bring it up again later. But I was just like, yeah. I'm wondering if it was like he was, you know, because you're right, he just – he like disappears from King and then and and so on and so forth and so it's yeah no I mean Kang disappears it's like Kang doesn't exist anymore well it is but it's also that's why I think Kang freaks out too because like Salom is just gone like he doesn't even he doesn't even say goodbye of course yeah of course yeah and so So, yeah so the turning windmills definitely represent both of them um and I feel like when Kang starts spiraling, it's because he can't function without his wind. Like I'm, I'm being a bit, you know. Okay. You know, and, uh, of course. Yeah, and, like, I feel like I'm, go- I'm gonna use some words here, and I'm like, the, the, like, if you read, if you read into what I'm saying, it kind of sounds dirty, but like, I'm trying to be clever with my metaphors. But like, Salam, like Salom won't blow in that direction. Like he just has stopped. That's like he's not gonna make a move towards Kang without purpose. Um, That's true. So Kang's wind has come to nothing right um yeah. salom is alone and like with nothing he can't blow for king because he's lost too like so they're both lost in this moment like when when sapphire confesses or when he they find out he's confessed like mm-hmm. they both just cease to function the wind yeah. the wind stops blowing and the windmill stops moving that is true 
that's why that's one i think that's why we get this scene and it's like freedom it's like them at their highest the wind wind oh, is blowing windmill, it's so domestic it's so blowing. cute and the wrapping around the windmills, yeah. windmills in the background are moving it's like it's them in their relation their relationship is flowing they're happy they're functioning well and then when when they break up like like it's something to be aware of that this is happening this is them influencing each other doing the win-win meal thing and mm. i think yeah that scene is uh greatly play- placed there it's a good yeah it's interesting because i wonder it's if we'll get a revisiting of the whole wind windmill motif again for oh Kang. i think so i think because yes. i feel like i feel like you know kang is just cheesy enough to bring it up again um but also really mean it because he did. He can't like if if this lesson taught like if this episode taught them anything, like at the end of this is that they don't function without each other. Like they literally just broke down. So then we get the catastrophe. Well, hang on, we skipped a huge chunk of stuff here. Right? Yeah. Yeah, we what? skipped like we skipped we skipped um dad going to watch Storm and us. Oh, I don't really have anything to say about I that. I don't really have anything to say either. But like, I'm just like, eh. I loved King rallying the team as well, winning and scoring for his boyfriend. I thought that was all really cute. That all factored into mm-hmm. the whole like how just like pleasant everything was <laughs> at the beginning of the episode, as to the mm-hmm. like absolute opposite in the last like you know minute or whatever it's just the striking contrast of them being there for each other and how well they function when they're there for each other and then them not being for, there for each other and just everything breaking apart yeah i also thought it was really interesting too because like obviously like things are more foreboding if it happens at night it's like it, it's darker it's more threatening mm-hmm. it's like everything but like if you go back to the first episode like the, the very first part of the episode where like kang wakes up and everything the room is really white like the bedding is white the sheets are white like everything is white um even even the football jersey that Salom is wearing of Kang's is white. Like it's there's a lot of white going on there, so it's very you know bright sunlight, natural light. And then you, yeah, besides this being this happy sort of like vibe, and then at the end it's all like oh my god, you know whatever tragedy, blah blah blah. It's like the colors are just so like opposite of one another. Like they're telling us without telling us that this is you know this is completely different than what was going on earlier. Mm-hmm. And then, then I have arrive. a lot to say. I have a lot of stuff to say. <laughs> me too. <laughs> Should just write, start with the visual stuff, and maybe you go on with. Yep. Okay. So, uh, I like how this scene is constructed, like how mostly silent it is. When something happens and you're shocked, it's like you don't really perceive all the information because you know there's like noise in your ears or something you know and so it's mostly silent uh, when they get to Kang's house the scene just a modest piano melody Kang goes straight to the grandma and the ambulance and the dad is between Salom and Kang in the frame mm-hmm. then the ambulance leaves and Saifai is let out of the house and then in the shot the police car is between uh, Saifa and uh, Salom and Saifa is on the complete opposite side and the police car also separates Salom from Kang's family so Salom is 
alone already from the beginning of the scene he mm. he was separated by the ambulance uh, the police car by everything from everyone else mm. that's interesting <laughs> is it no it is i must admit like i didn't really feel, think of it in that i mean i obviously i i it was obvious to me about the ambulance and the father, but I didn't really think about the fact that it's it's it is the start of him being abandoned. Yeah, and also the colors, obviously the red, the everything like which is mostly the red is guilty, right? And it's on Salom and like mm, it's it's beautifully done. This scene, I I like it very much. Mm. It, yeah, it leaves an impression. It does. It does leave an impression, and it's like. <sighs> As you said, it's silent in that. It's like your senses are being dulled. He, yeah. he, they, and it's because they can't believe what's going. They can't believe what's happening. It's so different from where they just were. Yes, you know. And it's interesting the way I felt like the way that Kang looks across like this void to Salom. It's like he's he to me. It looked like he was asking him like, "What do we do now?" Mm-hmm. Because he looks to Kang. I mean, sorry, he looks to Salom for this sort of stuff. And, like, Salom is just lost. He's, like, he has no idea what's going on. You're right. The looks, the looks they exchange is priceless. They yeah. acted their asses off. They're so no, good. No, no, right. This whole episode is like that, though. Like, I just, I every single part of this was just acted amazingly. It's true. So if we then move to part two. <sighs> I just, yeah, I so after I watched the episode, like, I loved this episode. I'm pretty <laughs> sure I, I expressed that in the reaction. I was, you know, I, I'm like, we were right, but we were wrong. We were right in the best way. We were wrong in the best way, like, and we didn't see certain things coming, you know, and I just, uh, I loved it, right? I had zero problems with any of it. I had lots to think about, lots to say. It was traumatic, hence us temporarily renaming our podcast from drunk and hysterical to traumatized and hysterical. Sorry, what did you say? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And then I did something I haven't done before. I went on to Tumblr and I clicked on the dangerous romance tag and then started to rage. Oh, um i got so angry like i uh, i got so angry seriously so okay so first thing i want to say is that (laughs) kane was being so vilified and so much other stuff online and it really pissed me off i saw so many negative posts about how he never really changed how he never loved salom how fucked up he was how wrong he was and how he sexually assaulted salom when he was vulnerable all of these things and every single one of them made me more and more more angry (laughs) and I like it might piss people off but I just want to say you're all wrong (laughs) and let me tell you why okay so I mean Kang did exactly the same thing in this episode that Salom did they both reverted to old behavior bad behavior yes Uh, (laughs) but they both did it and they did what they know and what had comforted them in the past before they had each other like Kang had anger and hate and stupidity. He lashed out, making himself feel not so small and lost. And Salom kept everyone at a distance, even his friends. Like, maybe even especially his friends. Like, And that's not to say he's not a good friend and he's not close with his friends. Like, he definitely is. But, like, he had this mad love for Kang since they were young. And no one, like, none of them knew about it until just recently. 
And I mean, that's just one thing. Do you know what I mean? But like, it makes you wonder what else they don't know about him. And his moral integrity tells him that he's doing the right thing by not letting anyone all the way in. Like he tells himself he's trying to keep them out of the mess that his life is becoming. And he tried to do it with Kang too. Like he tried to keep those parts of himself separate from Kang in their relationship. And then this happened. And like his fears have been confirmed that now that Kang has seen the dark part of his life, you know, like how dark it is it, and how not worth the risk Selom is. Like that is, that is what's, you know, is sort of communicated to him. And one of the saddest things for me in this episode is that he had finally started to let Kang in. Like, even though Salom expected Kang to eventually, like, leave and then he did, we see how Salom's, like, let him in throughout the episode and just these little bits and pieces. But it's, like, it's such a juxtaposition of, like, him not fighting for them and, like, rather just becoming this, like, passive person in his own destiny. Like, he doesn't fight at all. He's so opposite to how he was when like he first started interacting yeah when he first started interacting with and i feel like kang isn't wrong here like he's upset he's scared and he's confused right so we cut to the police station where kang promises to be there and support salom i feel like as a viewer you can see that salom is conflicted like i feel like you can tell he has doubts here about his brother he thinks like maybe he's guilty, you know, and he apologizes to Kang. Like he's blaming himself for exposing Kang and his family to his brother and like their world essentially. And then Kang has gotten into this habit of like taking all these cues from Salom. Like he trusts him. He respects his judgment. He's guided by him. But at first Kang tries to support him like while Salom's having these doubts because he probably feels like, I feel like, you know, in the earlier scene we had like when, Safai turned up with grandma after she came home from hospital you know we saw Kang in that moment as well sort of look to Salom as if to see like how he should be reacting to this but he probably also like feels that maybe you know I mean I don't know how what Kang's thoughts are here but I mean he might think you know it's like we're all a little bit harsh when it comes to our own our own family and stuff sometimes we don't give them enough of the benefit like we, we are like you know tougher on them than anyone else but like we were also like more protective of them than anyone else you know and so maybe he just thought he was being whatever so he's like he tries to support him but when the policeman says that Safai can confess like he can't anymore because he can't process this new information in a rational way like straight away he goes like into his like old hot-headed mode like his father like he's completely unreasonable until he's got some distance to work through it and I feel like Kang saw Salom's doubt at the start of this scene, like like we, the viewer, did. And so then to be told that Safai confessed, he can't process that, like, so now in his brain what he's being told is that his boyfriend's brother shot his father. And it's like he's really hasty here in his actions. Like, he, he is. Of course he is. But it makes sense for his character. Like, it doesn't mean he didn't change and it doesn't mean he doesn't love Salom. It just means that he's fucking scared. Like, he can't have Salom now, right? Like, they can't still be together when his brother shot his father. Like, that would be a portrayal of his father, right? If he did that. I mean, any person I, would react not not be calm in such a situation who would react well in hearing ex- something like exactly, this. Exactly, exactly. But the funny thing about this, this part of the scene is that I feel like, you know, okay, so at the start, I feel like Salom had doubts about Safai and his innocence but like as soon as the policeman says he confessed like Salom then knows for sure that his brother didn't do it I just I feel like Safai has the personality that 
if he had done it, he wouldn't have confessed. He's like kind of talked his way around things when he's done stuff in the past that he knows is morally like gray. And when, when Salom has like called him on it or whatever, he like tries to like, you know, avoid it or talk his way around it. Like he's not, he's less likely to confess if he really did it, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. And I feel like he knows that about his brother. Like we know, we know these things about like, you know, our family, like we're close to them. Um, He understands like that part of Safar's personality, I think. But so like, as as Salom is like becoming no longer convinced that his brother is um, guilty, all Cain can hear in this bit, because like as soon as like Safai hears that, that's when he starts to sort of go in defense of Safai. And he's like, you know, wanting to speak to him and help him and all these sorts of things. And in this moment, all Cain can hear is that Safai's guilty was confirmed because he confessed. And now Salom is like trying to like fight and stick up for his guilty brother, I guess. So mm-hmm. it puts them both in kind of a really weird position. Um, now, if like it had been some random person that Safai had confessed to shooting, Kang probably would have trusted Salom's judgment here. But it wasn't a random person. It's his father. Like he has this extremely complicated relationship with and whom he's desperately, you know, trying to reconnect and with and now that may never happen like so you've got all this happening at the same time and I saw oh so many people so many posts about how prejudiced he is in the coming scene with the grandma in the hospital and but like he's basically telling his justifications for like what he does here and it's obvious he doesn't mean a word of it like you can see when he's finished talking like when he's speaking here, he knows he's lying, and you can see the fear and doubt in his face when he's blatantly obvious that he doesn't mean what he's saying. There. Yeah, exactly. And like he tells her off, he's ranting about the poor, and it's like words he's clearly heard before. Like kids mimic stuff they hear, and I'm not calling him a kid, but I'm just saying like you know, you grow up hearing something, or you know, and stuff like that. And if you take, if we take like his father's behavior, previous behavior with Safar into account. His father does have an existing prejudice against people who have less than them. So it's something he's heard before. He's parroting what he's heard before. And it's not something that we've actually ever seen him really express himself. Like even when he was bullying Salom at the start, like he kind of said a couple of things and I would have to go back to watch to see exactly what he says but it's more about trying to get a rise out of Salom than actually like it's something that he thinks. It's like he would try something and when that didn't work, he was like, okay, what can I try next, you know? I just think it, could have, it, kind of, it was easier for him to believe that stuff at the beginning. Uh, of course. I mean, you know, and look, I mean, but I see, I, I honestly don't think he looks at Salom and sees someone poor willing to do no, anything I don't for think money. So. I don't think so either. Yeah. And I mean, he knows Salom isn't like that. Like this part of their problem later on in this episode is that Salom wasn't willing to do anything because he's only willing to sacrifice himself. And that's the one thing that scares and pisses Kang off the most, right? Like Salom could have taken the watch. I mean, I know Kang doesn't know about this, but like he could have taken the watch. He could have taken his friend's assistance or he even could have turned to Kang, right? which let's face it, the way he rings Kang and Kang comes running to his rescue, he would have probably been receptive to. But instead he uses himself, right, to try and solve his problems. He wants Salom to come to him, to take from him, but he won't. He knows 
the words that he's saying to grandma are a lie, but at the same time he can't accept that because that would mean he's really fucked up for no reason. And I feel like people are getting really people were getting really hung up on the rich versus poor thing with this with this not only this episode, but like this entire show. And I feel like it isn't even really about that. I feel like it's about blood family and found family. And I mean, like they're clinging to their blood family, both of them in this episode, because like, well, that's what you do. And yet they're rejecting this found family that they've got between them where like at the moment it's actually given them both more than anything else, but they can't have it right. They can't have both. It's like they're broken and they're lost and it's hopeless. And I feel like, People saying Kang is dumb because it wasn't like Salom did anything wrong here. But it's not even about the fact that he's poor and Kang is rich. And it's not even about the fact that Salom has, has not done anything or done something. This this whole like re- him reverting to where he was and lashing out and the poor versus rich thing and all that is because the, 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 the fact that is rattling around in Salom's head, sorry, not Salom's head, in Kang's head, is that Salom's brother shot his father. Like, it's just that. It's that simple. It doesn't matter who's rich, who's poor. It doesn't matter, like, who did what or whatever. It's like he can't get past that because it's like he can't, he can't. How can you be with someone who did that? Like, it's, it, and it, and Salom, yes, Salom didn't do it. It was his brother, supposedly, right? But it's, there's no rational thought here. He's emotional. He's scared. His father is in like a coma or whatever. Like, how, how do you, why are you holding him accountable for this? Yeah. Like, I'm so, I'm so frustrated with people being like, you know, I mean, I would love to know how half the people who are like saying shit would actually feel if they were in a similar situation. Like, how do you think you would react if, you know, this situation was happening? Like, honestly, most people would be just as big a basket case as he is being in this, in this, you know, whole area here. Like he, and he's even worse because he's pushed Salom away and like Salom is his like, his compass and so he can't have him he's not safe neither of them are they're alone they're scared and because of this he doesn't understand how to make it work like how to fix it how to fix his dad how to fix the relationship he reverts back to how he was before it all started before it all before he started spending time with salam and salam does the same he expects pain and loneliness as his fate he rejects help and support from his friends he doesn't fight kang because this is his life he doesn't expect to get the shiny, happy thing that he's loved and wanted for years. Like, it, it's not for him. He doesn't get nice things. You know, his life is cold and stark in its reality and it's filled with loneliness, fear and pain. And yet when he's really scared and at his lowest point, when he's at his most vulnerable he's ever been in his life, he still he still calls Kang because he trusts him to save him. And deep down he understands that Kang will save him. But desperately, I feel like he wants Kang to be the one to save him and, like, the only one to see him vulnerable. And it's really – I feel like that's really important because every other time that he's been vulnerable around Kang, it's been out of his control. And I guess we could argue that his, you know, like, his functionality in terms of, like, mental capacity is is limited here because of the drugs that he's been he's been given. But – he's in his you know like in his most desperate this is where he's gone and I feel like the really interesting while this is all happening like Kang is living up to and meeting Salom's expectations of being his savior like he's rescuing him he may not even realize 
realize that I think Salom in this this whole episode or this whole like past few episodes, but he's gotten used to Kang being the one that's there for him. He had this expectation. It's so funny. There's like we, we've we've talked so much about like how Salom how Kang just really wants people to have expectation, or specifically his father, but he's transferred that to Salom now um, to have these expectations of him. And this is an expectation that Salom has of him in this episode and he meets it like wholeheartedly. And I don't know if he even will realize that. Um, I, I'm so desperate for their conversations in the next episode. Like I just, I'm like, Oh, um, but yeah, I just feel like, he expects him to be there when every, even when everything's completely fucked up between them, he still expected King to turn up, and he did. Um, but yeah, I just feel like the whole speech with Grandma bit is just a justification of his actions to himself. Like he needs to believe it, or he'll lose his mind even more than he already is. Because if he's wrong, he just destroyed like the only happiness and pure thing that he has had for himself. And like he, I feel like he's he's truly a boy who owns everything but nothing of true value since his mother died and got sick rather got sick and died <laughs> oh, i got that around the wrong way <laughs> and that's a really bad time to laugh but you know what i mean i'm just like whoops <laughs> but yeah and so we had so many things that like came from this like one horrific scene <laughs> at the beginning of part two um because it it spurned into what i'm sure you've probably got lots to talk about and that is the scenes we then had following with um kane crying alone in his room and i actually have something to say about the scene from the police station as well okay please go ahead i think it's uh, interesting that at the beginning, Salom believes that he bravo did it, and then he even apologizes to Kang, and Kang says, no, it's not confirmed yet. I will stay by your side. I I had this idea, but maybe Salom doesn't really believe that it's happening, but it's just, this is the narrative right now, that mm-hmm. Saifa is the guilty person. And this is uh, justified, not justified. But look what he says next. The whole country must be condemning my brother right now. So basically, it doesn't even matter if it's true or not. He's done. He's done for. I mean, his name is, uh, he's involved in this whole situation. Mm. His brother will be blamed no no matter what. There will be people that will say, oh, he did it. He, like, they will not get out of this mess clean. Yeah. And. Also, there's also this thing that you hold the burden of your relative sins. Mm. And no matter no matter if he did it or not, like he they're already involved in this situation and it's already messy and he probably feels it's this he brought this onto Kang. Well, I mean, I feel like as well, like to that to that end, even if Safai is innocent, if this is to do with name, is if it's to do with names bosses or their debt or whatever if it is in any way shape or form has anything to do with that then he's gonna feel guilty because him being there meant Safai was there meant name was there meant all of that bad stuff was brought to their door like it's like you know six degrees of separation kind of thing he realizes that even if his brother is not guilty the mess is too big and it involves him and 
it cannot work with between him and Kang anymore. This yeah. is his thought. This is how what he looks like. And then, then to have Kang give him reassurance and say, no matter what happens, I will go through this. You, uh, we will go through this together. Like, like this gives him confidence and strength to, mm-hmm. like, to fight back to ask, like, maybe he's not wrong. How can he be wrong? Like, you know, like, how can maybe he's not guilty? What is happening? I need to talk to him. You know, this gives him strength, and then only to have it all, like, only to have this support taken away in a few seconds. I think he did not have time to consider what, say, fast confession would do to Kang, but he already knew this was not going to work out. It's funny because I I watched a reaction or I watched a couple of reactions um, to the episode on YouTube and I remember seeing someone was struggling a little bit with this scene because they said like, I, I can't buy it. It doesn't make sense to me that he would be like this earnest and be like, I'm going to be there for you. And then like five minutes later, he's like, peace out, bitches. And it's like, well, no, hang on a minute it's really easy for him in the beginning of that scene to say, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to support you no matter what, because he doesn't have all the information yet. How is he going to know how he was going to feel if Sapphire was actually guilty? Like he's, he's assuming. He trusts Salem so fucking much. And maybe, maybe he kind of judges his brother. Maybe he thinks his brother is kind of like Salem and Salem would Asylum would say if he's guilty. What if he thinks his if his brother saying it's he's guilty is like cannot be untrue. Yeah. And in the moment in the moment when uh, Salom starts uh, justifying his brother and not being sure, it's like in this moment Kang rips the pedestal from under Salom's feet because his judgment failed in his eyes. Like this is Mm. His brother is guilty, and now Salom is defending him. And now, like, Kang is so confused, he's literally yeah. in the dark. Like, if you look he at the colors, let he's down in, a little bit. Yeah, he's in I the think... shadow, he's he's like in black. He everything is dark about him, he doesn't know what's happening. Like, his judgment is lost. And where Salom is in the light, because we know, you know, we know he's not guilty, even, even if his brother did it. He is not guilty, and we know it because it's easier for us for us not to judge things logically. But for Kang, it's just it's too messy. It's too much in that moment, and yeah, he's in the dark. It's an instinctual reaction he says, and I, you're very probably very much true actually in that he probably is judging Safai initially with the same spectrum that he judges Salom on. And as you said, at the beginning of the scene, he's still on his pedestal, you know, so Salom can do no wrong. Um, and he trusts him, you know, whereas, um, and as you said, it turns it around. He que- he starts questioning what he knows about Salom when Sophia suddenly becomes untrustworthy. It reminds me of the scene with the little boy that they give the soccer ball and shoes and that too, where he brings the, the the food to them and says, "Oh, you must have a really good father because he's got such a good son." Mm-hmm. Um, it's very it's very similar to that maybe because that moment, like when the little boy said that to to Kang, he actually it actually made him think a little bit. Like you could see in his mind, like you could see him thinking about what the kid had just said to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and while he didn't really buy it necessarily, it bothered him enough to realize that he had made bad choices, um, like in selling the bike and whatever else. 
um, it made him question himself. So, like, in this scene, what you said totally makes sense to me, like, that he would transfer his trust to to Salom to Safai and and giving him the benefit of, of the doubt in the initial start of that and then it all just goes horribly wrong. Now I want to speak about the scene where Salom was leaving the house. I think it's interesting that Salom is wearing a striped shirt. And even the shirt that he folds when he's in the house packing up is a striped one. Okay, wow, you paid way more attention than I did. <laughs> like he is in jail already. He is yeah. being judged. I don't know if it's intentional or not, but it's weird that both the shirt that he's wearing and the shirt that he's fo- uh, folding is a white one in, in stri- black stripes. And Kang is, like, there's light in Salom's room. While Kang is alone in darkness, wearing black, hugging the pillow and being utterly destroyed by the void he feels inside of him. Yeah. How, like, Self-inflicted pain. It always hurts yes. the most. And then we see the flashback of, if you open this door, will you open your heart for me? Well, you know, Salom go- goes to the bathroom. His heart is open. Now Kang's door is the closed one and Salon does not dare to knock on Kang's door. He feels guilty. He feels he doesn't have the right to, to do it. He doesn't have the right to try. Even besides the fact that Kang uh, like, threw him out, he, he feels guilty because of all this mess. He doesn't want, he feels like he brought this uh, onto Kang's head. Mm. I feel like it's funny because I feel like with this scene we had so many I feel like interesting flashbacks and like mm-hmm. at least half of them contained the umbrella, which I thought was interesting. So mm-hmm. like we have like the first one we have is like how happy Kang was when Salon first moved in, he arrived, he had the umbrella and Kang remembers, I feel like in that moment, like how, how happy he was with Salon. And then mm-hmm. we see Salon remembering, as you said, when Kang gave him the second umbrella, like remembering how cared for he felt, how special, reminding him of that precious kid who was so kind to him. Um, and then he remembers them in his bed and then, you know, being sweet. And as you said, how Kang asked him to open the door and let him into his heart. And we, you know, we have Salon moving to the door, as you said, like, I feel like he's, was he considering to maybe do the same thing? Was he like thinking about saying goodbye? But ultimately, yeah, he withdraws. He's like, he decides against it. He's not, you know, welcome. The door is shut, you know. Um, and it's so funny because this scene like just keep, kept coming back to all of our theories and stuff with bathrooms and doors and stuff. And it was mm-hmm. driving me crazy. Um, but yeah, Kane crying on the other side of the door and going into Salom's room, like just after he's left, like, like he it's like he didn't he his reaction in this scene is so visceral it's like he didn't say goodbye he didn't fight for them he just gave up and let Kang go right and yeah, then because Kang looks so vulnerable and miserable crying the uh, hugging the pillow and crying and he looks at the door I feel like he wants he's now in the dark he's in this jail that he made for himself and he wants to get rescued right now by Salome yeah. He wants Salom to knock, to get in and shake him up, to do the want you come to your senses that he does to Salom later. Yeah, I feel he like wants Salom to come, he wants Salom to come in and tell me you're not right. You're, yeah, you, you're wrong. He, that's right. He to needs, set him, that's right. He needs Salom to set him free and set him on the right path, right. essentially. Yeah. And it's like, it's so interesting to me because this scene, 
is like it's it's so funny like I'm always watching dramas and stuff and I'm like going oh god you know if they didn't do this then this wouldn't happen but like that's the whole point like they're creating drama Mm -hmm. right so but it's this scene I felt like was really clever because I felt like I could still see those those pockets of like moments where you know if if um Kang had gone to the door a little bit you know, quicker, he would have found Salom standing on the opposite side with his hand out about to knock, you know, and would that have changed things between them? You know, would would it have been another hostile engagement or would it have been, you know, I don't think so. I think I feel like there would have been an embrace or something. He was only did too breaking. much in pain. He, he needed him. He was, he was going down the red rabbit hole and he was too hurt like he needed Salom he needed that hug he needed yeah to feel the void I feel but when he comes physically close in that moment it would have like maybe not resolved everything but it would have been the start of it Mm -hmm. so when Kang does come to his senses it's too late and he is overcome by regret sorry then we see Salom outside and Mm, it's raining and and he looks back at the house and we get the flashback uh, of Salom confessing his feelings to Kang because, because this is how he feels again. Alone with his feelings, broken, vulnerable, resigned, he lives by himself. And it's a callback to episode four because in episode four, Kang's, Kang meets him at the gate. And uh, like in that moment, Kang is remember we were talking about how Kang looks like he's in prison and Salom is rescuing him and like he leaves Kang in this darkness in his prison Mm. behind and he lives by himself I mean Kang does not I don't know why I mean logically he wouldn't be probably be there to help him though I mean why not I mean I don't know why not help him <laughs> to 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 walk him to the gates or something? But the fact that he lives by himself accentuates the fact that he did not he did not fight. He just accepted yeah. uh, the situation. It's, it's interesting that you mentioned like you know Salam out in the rain and the flashback. It's interesting because yes, it's totally interpretive interpretive that way. But uh, it's also the scene that we get just before like this epic acting of Perth's when he comes in the room. So you, you're right. What have this, I done? Yeah. So you're right. We get this flashback of Salom's rain confession where Kang's like trying to mm-hmm. push him away towards Pimfa, mm-hmm. right? And the mm-hmm. way Salom fought back in that is he confesses his feelings for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, oh my God, Perth's acting in this scene is so fucking good. Like he's just like, I truly believe his that eyes. he was dying. Yeah. Oh God. And it's like, Finding finding that umbrella that had been witness to their relationship, because let's face it, that's what we're seeing, like, um, I feel like in this, with the choices that they've made in this. Um, I know some people think that the umbrellas represent, you know, their love or King's protection, but I feel like it's us. It's us, Zoe. Oh. Um, but I feel like in this moment, it's a physical <laughs> reminder that Salom is gone and wants nothing from him. Um, that he yeah, wasn't, he wasn't leaving, leaving their whole history behind. That's right. He wasn't worth, yeah, he wasn't worth fighting for. So this time Kang's pushed him away and Salom didn't fight. He just gave up and let him go. And so right. Kang destroys this umbrella. Like I feel like an endgame reveal 
would be the the one that he gave to Salom when they were kids for him to for Kane to express some regret for destroying this umbrella and for Salom to give him the other umbrella umbrella back. Um like my head canon about the umbrellas, because there was two and they're matching and they mean like the umbrella means so much to Kang, is that one was his and the other matching one belonged to the mother. And I feel well, like this me- is what we talked about. I listen actually listened to the first episode and we talked about it. Oh, did we? Yeah. And I feel yeah. like maybe like he's give he gave his to Selom. Um and then Kang's mother gave her his umbrella. And I'm just like and then you mentioned about Salom leaving and the gates closing and you were like, it's like he's shutting Kang into his prison. And it's interesting because we totally, you feel that later on, like when he goes to see grandma, like he can't stand to be at home by himself. It has become a prison. Right. So, but besides that, I remember we were talking about um, like if we do want to get into the whole class distinctions and stuff like that, I, I remember we were talk- when we talked about this this gate scene initially when um, Salom arrived and everything, and Kang let him in. It was like he was getting let into you know the inner sanctum, so to speak. And when you see this mm-hmm. scene as well, the other flip side besides um, Kang being you know closed into his um, <laughs> self made prison, um, mm-hmm. you also see. Selom being shut out and being locked yeah. out. He's now an outsider again. Mm-hmm. Also, want to say regarding the scene where Kang loses his shit. I mean, look at him. No wonder he goes back to his old ways. No wonder he goes into his shell with his stupid, poor people, bad, Selom, bad ideas. He has to protect himself. He has to do this. Otherwise, he is out of his mind with grief and loss and desperation and anger. He can't stand the idea that he's in the wrong here. Mm. Like, it's destroying him in this loneliness. Like, no wonder this aggressive denial in the scene with the grandma. Look at him when he actually, you know, is in touch with the idea that he lost Salom and like, like, like when he's aware of the fact that he's, he lost this, that mm. he lost this thing that that was so important that he needed so much mm. and it's the thing is is he he, he he literally the only thing that he has in this in this like moving forward in this min, like middle section of this episode is his like outrage and this like false narrative that he's clinging to because without that he has literally has nothing he has nothing left yes so then we have the weird scene between name and grandma where he says something like, oh, I can't believe Sefa is guilty. Oh, the, is- the other thing I wanted to say with name as well, like I thought that it was really strange that as well, like to, you know, we were talking about his guilt, non-guilt before. Like mm. he's, okay, so when he went and spoke to the boss, the boss said to him, um, you know, yes, I'll let you free, but you have to do this thing for me first or whatever. Mm. Um, if he's guilty, like, why the fuck is he still there? Like, if he, if he went down that trip of like, um, you know, he's sucked back into the, to the bad stuff, then he, you would think he would just be gone. If he wanted his freedom and he got his freedom, you'd think he would go, but he's still there. Yeah. 
So, yes. I mean, he could still be there just to, I don't know, suss out whether or not they know he's guilty. But, like, surely if, if you were guilty and there was an, a chance that you might get caught, wouldn't you just bugger the fuck off? Because I know I would. I would have I would have I would have been gone like hours ago. <laughs> yeah. And then uh we see the scene where the friends come to help Salom and he's not happy. And you know, it's not surprising that he doesn't accept besides the fact that he it's not, you know, it's a transactional thing. Like he will not just not accept uh stuff from people. He never did that. He never let uh, people help him and but also I thought maybe for someone with a depth that's hanging <laughs> like doom uh, above his head you like you never want to owe anyone anything mm. a person with big depth well that's right you're not and wanting to get into that again and the other thing is this what do they say they say like you know never borrow money from friends or family friends, because it's yeah. like it's like the worst thing you can do and ultimately it turns into some sort of problem um, like he he's comfortable with giving stuff for free but not so much with the receiving but he and he did accept Kang's help in a way mm-hmm. but he gave himself body and soul as kind of a payment for it yeah, I feel like what? Kang is also, without him even realizing it, he is the exception of, to the rule for Salom for many things. Like it's it's going to take him a while to get there, but he will get there because Kang is the exception. Um, Plus, I do think that he means it when he says he doesn't want to involve anyone in this mess because oh my god, and yeah, yeah and he feels he still feels you you will feel guilty. You feel you'll feel ashamed if something like this is happening and it's oh, connected to some family and especially now that Saifa confessed like people would judge you and it's yeah well it's like you said you know like he assumes everybody's gonna think the worst no matter what so yeah I I think he doesn't even blame Kang that much because he thinks you know it's his fault for bringing this this yeah I think he just thought it was inevitable like what what happened with Kang it doesn't mean that like he's happy about it but I just think that he's like it's it was it was always gonna happen um he might even feel guilty for hurting Kang yeah which is interestingly would make him feel even worse and even more worthless yeah and I wanted to say something he, about- thought, he thought he can make a difference in Kang's life but he made it worse yeah well I mean that's the thing isn't it like he's busily like behind the scenes making trying to make things better with his father and all the rest of it and now it's just even like yeah I just said worse than when he got there um um this was something else I saw online that really kind of pissed me off is I saw some people talking about uh, like having issues with the fact that their friends essentially only reached out to Salom and not Kang and like to me like to, to like, that <laughs> I want to say to that I want to say how do you know they didn't like just because we didn't see that you know like we we saw this scene because it's important to the story like the friends reaching out to Kang how does that benefit anything other than like making you feel better because like his friends reached out to him like it, it serves no purpose like you can assume they reached out to him but like this part of the story was included so Salom could reject them and that's basically it 
right? There's like, yeah, they, so we can see that he's isolating himself. There's that's right. there's meaning. You should ask yourself why a scene is included because there has to be meaning behind everything. That's and right. This is like, why we love get, this series so much because that's right. they only get like forty eight minutes or something. They have to like pick and choose what they show us. They're not just going to show us like every random thing. Like it's important. What to- what would be the meaning of seeing them reach out reach out to Kang? What to, what would be the meaning? That's right. Like, I mean, of course, yeah, but. Meaning the meaning here is that they want to help him, even though Saifa uh, said he's guilty, and the fact that he just doesn't want to involve them and he isolates himself and he declines the help. It's like the visual representation of what Kang is verbally doing, which is reverting back to his old self. And the other the other thing about that they the other way they use the scene and the friends coming is the knock on the door and I don't know like how he felt, but like when I was watching that scene, my first thought was, oh crap, it's the debt people. Like, Me too. Right? So Me too. I feel like they had a, they, there was like multiple reasons to include this scene. Um, and I feel like besides like Salom, Kang would not have really been that receptive to his friends in, in this. I don't think like yeah, he, he same, doesn't same, have yes. the same deep connection with them. Like his deepest connection is with his best friend and ex Salom. <laughs> um like and i feel like they might be getting closer but i don't think he would have listened to them at this point like he's just not there yet like he's he's really not there yet and i feel like um them touching base with him would have looked a bit like i feel like it would have pissed people off anyway because i feel like they would have reached out to him to show like support or whatever we found like you know can you imagine nava um or Max realizing that like Salom has, uh, sorry, that Kang has like cut Salom out of his life because, you know, maybe his brother's guilty of shooting his dad or whatever. They're just going to be like, are you fucking serious right now? Like you're obsessed with this guy. What are you doing? Like he didn't do anything. Like, I I don't think that would have been receptive by Kang. Um, Mm -hmm. It would have just been like the same sort of conversation he had with grandma basically. And, and we, we have that scene already. We have that conversation with grandma. We didn't need it with Kang and his friends. Um, And so like, and the point of that would be, and like you could go, oh, well, that's just bad friendship. Well, it's not bad friendship because they've seen him with Sel- with Salom. They know what Salom means to him. They know how Salom has changed him. They like they have all changed because of Salom and Kang's relationship. And so, mm-hmm. and nothing bad, like this, this stuff hasn't touched them. So they would not be looking at it in the same way that that um, Kang is looking yeah. at it. So they would be advocates for Salom and like for them getting back together again. And that is not something that Kang would listen to anyway. So it would be completely pointless having that scene. It would be it would have been redundant because, as I said, he already has a scene with Grandma where Grandma's like you know, maybe he's innocent, blah, blah, blah. And he gets really like, you know, will we see his reaction? Um, Mm -hmm. So the reason why we saw the friendship scene with um, Salom and the friends is like, it makes sense to that storyline. It's the focus of that storyline. And so it wasn't that they didn't reach out necessarily. It's just like, it just, it doesn't matter. (laughs) It doesn't matter in this moment because, um, you assume that they did like you have to assume they did but like they're not going to show us that because that would be dumb I'm just like why why people get fixated on stuff like this like you know do you want to watch a, an episode that's like seven hours long and you would be bored they would be complaining then they would be like why did they show us all this crap like nothing happened it was so boring like oh <laughs> anyway I don't know I'm confused I, I don't know why 
I mean, maybe maybe they just just already decided that they don't like something and they just refuse yeah. to buy stuff. It's so funny though it's because still... like the the sorry the the points of view are so conflicting. Like on Tumblr, I was getting whiplash back and forth because they because people are either hating and vilifying Kang for like being this way, or they mm-hmm. were like you know like oh poor Kang like Salom's getting everything and it's like well really no Salom's not getting jack shit. <laughs> but I was just like. Uh, anyway, I felt it. I felt it warranted com- like a conversation because clearly, as I said, it the scene is there because it's it has a point. It it drives the story. Um, I don't know. I love the fact that we're vibing so much. I feel like we're getting <laughs> we're understanding <laughs> what they wanted to say. Like they clearly didn't want to make everyone hate Kang at the end of the series. There's meaning behind it. There's a reason for everything that's happening. Why would they just make him into a jerk that, uh, you know, everyone stops loving because he's a jerk? Why Why are we even watching this series? Like, yeah, you're obviously not getting something. You're not yeah. misunderstanding I, something. I feel, yeah, I feel like if you've watched this much and that's how you feel, you should probably just stop and, like, turn off the television, go outside and, like, I don't know, go for a walk or something because... Like you, you, you've missed the point. So why, why waste any more of your time, right? Like unless you're going to, and I'm also like, if I'm upsetting somebody who's listening to us, I'm also kind of like, if this is where you're at, like, why are you listening to us? Because clearly you <laughs> think that we're completely wrong and insane. Um, there's better ways for you to spend your time. But if you are listening to us and you agree, well, welcome. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'll, really let you, I'll let you go where you want to go with this. And then I did want to make a comment because you brought up the transactional behavior before and I had something I wanted to say about that. But so yeah, continue. Well, say, okay, then I'll, then I'll, I'll go on with uh, school and the grandma. Yeah. Okay. So I saw this quote um the other day and it made me really sad about Salom's habit of transactional behavior that we like I have been like banging oh. on for like I don't know how many episodes is this now um and the quote is if you keep treating everything as a transaction you're gonna get shortchanged and I was just like aha it got me in the feels I was like ouch I feel personally attacked um and it made me so sad because it's so true like Salom is gonna miss out if he keeps doing this and we see that in this episode with him pushing away his friends, you know, like their offer for help. Like this was an opportunity to have an easier time, but also to get closer and build deeper relationships with his friends, but he rejects them. Um, and then we have the escort scene, which is coming up, and he almost loses again because of the sexual assault, like the almost sexual mm-hmm. assault. So he's he's shortchanging himself. And I got so, like I, when I was thinking about it, I was like, I was so sad for him and I was just like, oh, I wanted to shake him a little bit. Um, but I just, I love that Why won't you come to your senses? <laughs> Sorry? Why won't you come to your senses? I know, right? Like, I'm going to yell in your face and, like, <laughs> try and get you to wake the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I realized... I know you had a conversation about the fact what what would happen if Salom went back to school and what how would Kang react if we, he saw oh, yes. you know, the friends, the friends uh, be there for Salom and everything. And, you know, the thing is, Salom was always dependent on Kang's dad's money, his scholarship yeah. <laughs> provided by uh, Kang's dad's money. Like, he's not going back to school. 
I think mm. he's not going to do that. He why is he working two shifts? Because he's not going to school anymore. Yeah, I did think that actually. I did wonder if um if he How was something like he's not going back to school like he he that that he, he lost it from his point of view like he does not he would not dare yeah it's interesting because i was thinking about this as well like even just like when he went to Kuro with um kang when he was like on his little like road trip of you know baggage um mm-hmm. he and then staying with him for the the football tournament and all the rest of it like you assume like he was before they even like ran away the conversation was that he would go with them and he said he and Kang said he would like shore it up with his parent like with not his parents but like with his dad and his grandma and you I, I got the impression from that conversation that by that like you know his absence from school would be covered essentially um by an explanation from say grandma to the to the school you know whoever administration mm-hmm. or whatever um and so there would be no repercussions from him not being there because I'm pretty sure there would be there would be things on his scholarship like there would be um conditions like how much he could be absent um like what his grade had to be you know certain things like that that he would have to maintain otherwise Mm -hmm. he would potentially lose his scholarship so I did Mm -hmm. think about that and then when we had the scene and he's back at the car wash and he says about working two shifts and all the rest of it I was like I had the same sort of thought he's not going to school right now um and I I don't think Kang is either (laughs) I think Kang is just like you know lost yeah he does not he does not the windmill is not moving at all yeah he doesn't and want then, to, he doesn't want to speak and interact with anyone i don't think yeah. except for salon i saw someone online be angry that apparently in the book grandma is the one who um shoots at kang and you know um throws him out of the house you mean shouts and, at salon uh, yeah, at Salom and throws him out of the house. And they were kind of angry that she didn't act like she did in the book. And I, w- I think it wouldn't have fit her character the way... Yeah. I don't know what happened in the book, but the way she was represented here, sh- it makes total, total sense the way she behaves. Yeah, she. there's no way in... like I, I honestly... I think we had this conversation uh the other day when like in the last couple of days about i i honestly don't think she probably even realizes that salom is no longer living there because she would have a lot to say about that like i i feel like she's even if you know she's in this point in this conversation she's unsure that sophia is guilty and i don't know maybe she knows but she but I don't think she's the one who threw him out. Maybe she like kind of respected his decision to leave. Yeah, but I because I don't think she tried to hold him in in the house. Oh no, like, I, I don't mean but... like that. But I mean like if she knew that Kang had kicked him out, I don't think she would have agreed with that. And I feel like if she knew, she may have like mentioned it in this scene. Like she may have said, you I know, think, like it's not. I think maybe. Maybe they did, just didn't comment and she thought he decided to, to leave on his own and she just respected his decision to do yeah. that. It'd be interesting to find out later on, like if there's any sort of, if we actually find out if she, when she, if and when she knows, because as I said, I, I really do feel like she doesn't probably know at this point anyway. Um, so grandma asks Kang, why is he there so late? And 
my guess is that he like we talked about how he probably can't sleep in that yeah. uh big house and you had this idea that he uh right he oh yeah look, I, like i said look uh, this is at this point i'm like anyone who doesn't think that kang is spending his days and nights alone when he's not at the hospital in salom's bed sobbing while clutching his pillow and wallowing in salom's lingering but fading scent is an idiot in my opinion <laughs> But I don't, I don't really agree with this because of the way he, he decided that uh, he is right. He has to protect his, himself and his judgment. And I think he doesn't really want to spend time there. It might oh, make him I, feel I, Oh, look, uh, that's why I think he's leaving because I think it's torture to stay. Um, exactly. I, I, I do think he has done that though. Like I would be really surprised to find that he has maybe. Struck. I think maybe he did that when Salom left, but then mm. he had to, you know, to retreat into his shell. And when he did that, I don't think he dared to go back there because it would mean that it would be like an admission of the fact that yeah. he, what he did is fucking wrong. And he may also just be, it may be like when you, you know, when you're with other people, like, so you have this thing, but when you're you know, in public, I'm saying you're this- with other people, and you like you feel the need to justify your actions. Like I feel like uh-huh. you know, and like then when he's himself, in, yeah, and then he goes back home and he's like, yeah. uh-huh, uh-huh. no, I get it because I'm saying this, but at the same time, I have this theory that Kang has been actually has actually been kind of stalking Salom. Maybe <laughs> it's highly possible. It is possible. So then, Grandmas says. Um, that someone who loves his brother, like say Fa does, wouldn't put his brother in such a situation. And Kang feels called out. Oh, she yeah. says maybe say Fa was cursed, which uh, sounds like a plausible idea coming out of her mouth, actually. Mm. And so also, Kang's poor people bad. Like, like, oh, like this is obviously not something that he is meant to say here like there are so many things that he's trying to say through this but not this is not what he means here like i don't you said a lot you said enough about this i don't even want to talk about it Mm. so um then we have the scene of do you want to say something else uh no i think i'm good oh no i do want to say something sorry it's got nothing to do with um Kang and Grandma, but it's part of part three or four. And that is the mm-hmm. guy and Nava stuff, the cute stuff on the roof. That's great. But I'm like, okay, where in, are they going to kiss? I have to say that. <laughs> because I'm starting to question that they are a second couple. I'm starting to think that they're just having a bromance. And that's great. But I'm just like, they went up on the roof. Now, in BLs, that means something. <laughs> and I no, saw I lots of people bromance. posting about the fact that, like, they're, they're, uh rooftop scene was like a crackhead scene and it totally was and it was perfect it suited them perfectly um but i'm just like i'm like were we wrong no i think it's gonna be the thing that we're really wrong about (laughs) i think it's a big it's uh there's a big chance uh that we don't get the scene of them actually becoming an item while they're in school but maybe we, we both think that there will be um flash forward at the end right so maybe I think it's a possibility. Maybe they will be a couple. Maybe they they are going to be the couple in the future, and that's mm-hmm. when we're going to see them being together. Yeah, I mean, I feel yeah. like it's possible because we have this, um, like you know, there's been so much discussion 
and so much talk of like university and the future and all the rest of it, it seems weird for them to end this show before they get there. Um, mm-hmm. So a fast forward makes sense. Yes. And then the Saifar scene. Saifar turning around and crying and being like, go live your life. And it's like he's he's he turns his back on Salom, like so. It's like a, a further abandoning as well. And so that's another. He's trying to hide something. There's oh, of like he's he, not being truthful. He's not guilty. Yeah. I mean, he's not guilty of lying right now, but he yeah. did not do what he said. But it would still it would still feel like an abandonment to Salom because Salom is like, why why are you doing this? Why is this a better solution? Then being Why out here with me, yeah, yeah. So okay, the last scene. I have a lot to say. Um, I know a lot of people struggled with this scene, but I, I really didn't. Um, I, I felt like they did such a good job of it that I, I felt like I knew exactly what was you know where they were coming from and. And where how we'd got to where we were and things like that. So, mm-hmm. anyway, so basically, Kang comes and he's angry, like he's scared. This is what he does. He lashes out, right? People, I feel like, are forgetting. No, he's angry and he's scared. But you'd think you'd think he'd be more violent with the man, try to beat him I must up or admit, something. I was like, I think... he does hit him, I think. But I must admit, I was really surprised. But you know what it is? It's that I know I. Yeah, he just he just wants to get him away from Salom and yeah. just. Check on him and make sure he's okay. That's right. He has tunnel vision because I feel like in that scene, like, yes, he's grossed out. He's angry. He hates this guy who, like, touched, like, Salom and all the rest of it. But, like, Salom is unconscious and he's just laying there. And I feel like that is way more scary and more of his concern. Like, the guy is just an obstacle. He's just a door. Like, he's just going to go straight through him and and get to Salom. But I must admit, I I was expecting more violence. (laughs) I will confess that. But it does make sense. It does make sense. It does. It does. It fits for sure. Um, and yeah, I feel like people are forgetting their age here in this scene as well. Like they're so young. Um, and this is such a big thing, like for an adult even. So I feel like this is so much, it's too much, right? Everything has happened. And that's not just this scene, but like this whole episode, it's too much for like a couple of young, you know, people. Um, yeah, I feel like, you know, when the look on Kang's face, when you should, do you realize it, you just got spiked? Like, I feel like Kang's reaction here is a bit similar to the reaction of a parent whose child almost got really, really badly hurt. Scared well, and angry. He, they, I feel like he's frustrated because they've sort of had this conversation already, like, in regards to, like, that this is a bad idea and that this isn't a solution. No, yes, but I mean, in the moment, in the moment, oh, you know, yeah. when your child, like, almost got gets hit by a car, you will, you, you're angry. It doesn't make sense, but you're fucking angry because you're scared. I oh, think this yeah. is why he's so fucking angry with Salom here. Oh, for sure. Like, and, like, the bit where he says to him, can you please come to your senses? I'm like, obviously he's talking to Salom here, but I feel like he's also talking to himself. I feel like he's seeing what he did, where they are in this moment, like the point they've gotten to. And I really do think he's talking to both of them in this scene, in that moment to Salom and himself too. I feel like he's talking about his bad behavior and his anger and he's just like, get your shit together. And he's like very much means that for both of them. Um, It's so funny because this is something that – Salom has been saying to him when he tried to 
like when he was angry, when he tried to throw away the bike keys, when he uh, stormed out after having that having that conflict with his father. When you come to your senses, calm down. Like this is exactly the same thing. Like he is. It's interesting. Exactly. Yeah. So he's, he's yeah. Been it's interesting. It's it's something he's learned. It's learned behavior. Then yeah. Um, and they lie to each other here. Like every word is like a lie, kind of. Um, it, or not not a lie, but it's like they're speaking without saying anything or something. I'm not quite sure what I'm trying. To, but mm-hmm. this is not what they do. Like when they're being honest and when they're being like serious, this is not how they speak to each other. Um, mm-hmm. And it's so funny to me because in this show, when they do speak their truth, people get like have such an issue with it. But yeah, so Kang yells here because he's like terrified. Um, and we do that, don't we? Like as you're saying, like when we're scared, like when we, especially when we don't think someone is listening to us, like can they not hear us? Are they ignoring us? So we raise our voice because they're not seeing sense, right? Like we have to get through to them. Um, especially in this sort of situation where you feel like it's a, you know, it's, uh, you're so afraid for them. Um, and Salom yells back because he knows what he did wrong and like they're challenging each other now. And the way Actually, Ken- at first he says he should, do you need money this much? Yeah. Isn't this I, think, I think that was and another he throws, thing. He throws some money on him and Salom looks up and says nothing. And, you know, it's funny because if he'd actually believe that in if he actually believes in what he told his grandma that poor people are bad they used to they uh use them and hurt them like why then why is he asking this why is he asking and expecting salom to tell him that no he doesn't need his money because this is this is what he's waiting for yes. and he gets more mailed up and escalates the situation where he doesn't receive the response that he wants. Yeah, that's right, because he's expecting to be told he's wrong by Salon and he'll believe nothing. him, right? So, and this is this whole bit here, right? Like the way Kang looks at him, like he's searching for something. And Salon just looks so angry and hostile and like his whole being is like challenging in this scene, I feel like. And he looks way more harsh think, than Kang. Like Kang, I feel I like know, Kang looks lost. I think he looks indifferent in the beginning. Like he, mm-hmm. uh, at first he's scared when he realizes in what his situation he is, but then he's like kind of resigned and indifferent. And like, yeah, what, what do yeah, you there's think? a little bit of detachment in there. Like he's just like, yeah. I can't deal with this right now. Um, and I feel like that is, that's probably why we're going to get this scene where he has like a further breakdown because in this, like this, this direct aftermath of what's just like happened to him, like he wasn't he wasn't physically aware of it while it was happening and so it's like the the scare of it afterwards he doesn't get to deal with that in this scene because what's actually happening is like more important to him right now and so mm-hmm. it's like his focus is kang and like later on it will hit him i feel like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um but yeah so it, so he's he's detached a little bit because he's not he's not dealing with that right now you know what i mean um and I, yeah, so, and of course, like, I feel like the way he's looking at Kang is, like, way more harsh. Like, I feel like Kang isn't seeing what he wants from Selom in this moment. Like, he's scared. And it makes him more afraid that he's lost him and that he's too late, I guess. And so the throwing of the money and the offering to buy him comments, I feel like people misunderstood this scene also. Like, I think people were linking it to their class discrepancies again. But this isn't about rich or poor. It's about making 
or, or sorry, or about making Salon feel worthless, even though it does. Um, this isn't new for them. This is a twisted version of something that Kang has been doing and trying to offer Salon the whole time. Um, and every time he gets rejected. Like, so he pushed away Salom and he let him get hurt. He let him down. He's angry at himself, but he also doesn't know how to get Salom to say that he's his again, um, which is ultimately his goal, I feel like, when he's, like, throwing the money and, and offering to buy him and stuff. Because his last offer for purchase with Salom came with Salom telling him that he already belongs to him. And it's like, I feel like he's trying to get them back there. Um he knows he was wrong. He's known that since he opened the door and found Salom, Salom gone and just that lone umbrella on the bed waiting for him. And I feel like everything in this scene is like screaming in its intensity. Like Kang doesn't know how to convey his concern. He has no rights here anymore. He forfeited them already. And like, it's just like, I feel like there's this weird kind of, um, mix here in the way he physically handles Salom. So he seems cold, like he throws the water on his face, which is like the quickest way to bring him to consciousness really, besides dragging him into a shower. That's like what you would do in this situation. Um, And so like he does this, it's very, he's very kind of like um, matter of fact in his, in his treatment of him. Um, which is funny because it reminds me of what you said about the parent thing. Cause I kind of had that vibe from this as well. Like he's, he's very adult in this moment. Um, and then like, but he's also really like, he seems cold in the way he grips a hold of Salom's neck and head and stuff. But I feel like you can see. This gen- I don't think he, he does. Did someone say he looks cold? No, no, I just, I feel like he's firm. Like he's, he's, maybe I'm describing it wrong. Like he's very like, all of his movements are very matter of fact, matter of fact and very like, you know. Maybe like something like, like just in, like in the scene where he was taking care of him or when he had fever, you know? Yeah, like, kind of like not, that, but he's not, he's, yeah. Like, and he, when he gave him the sponge bath and there was no, like, it was exactly. no, there was no yeah. frills. Yeah. So it's very much like that, but I feel like you can still see the gentleness under yes, the firmness in this yeah. and I feel like he even lets go of him like you you can see that he wants to keep holding on to him but he lets go of him because he doesn't have that right anymore like he has yeah. no rights um and I feel like that's making him more angry as well because like he can't like get he he's so angry at him for for doing this but he also can't get angry at him because it's none of his business like he's made it so that it's none of his business mm-hmm. um and I feel like he's always been so careful with Salom, like since their friendship started even. And I can just see it here, like the way he grabs him. The throwing of the money is his version of trying to shake some sense into Salom, I feel like. And he may have separated them, but deep down, I feel like he wants he, he wanted to be there for him and he wants to be this solution. Like he wants to be his savior. And it's just all mixed up now. Um, and I feel like part of his anger is not just the fear, but like disappointment as well that Salom chose this over coming to him. And it's not rational. Like he he shut him out. But like this boy and his intensity for Salom, like he is like the least rational person on the planet right now. Um, and I feel like he was all in from day one. Like, and then he tried to go like cold turkey and back all the way out, like in a minute, in a second. And he's he's hurt too. Like, I think because Salom just let him push him away. He's used to Salom slapping the stupid out of him, but he did nothing. Plus, he's blaming himself. Like, he turned away and look what Salom 
look what happened. Salom didn't take care of himself. And he's so, it's like translated to King, I feel like, that he didn't take care of him. Because he knows, he knows this about Salom. Like, and Salom, you know, put himself in King's care and King has, like, neglected that. Um, and it's like, did they learn no lessons from each other? <laughs> but, I'm like, of course they did. That's the reason that they're here in this moment and the way it all ends out and everything is because they learn so much and they love so much. Um, and I just feel like Salom responds to King's offer of purchase with, not with a denial, um, or a confirmation that he's king and always will be and all the words that King really wants to hear, but like rather with the fact that he can do whatever he wants with him. And like, wow, <laughs> did I have so much to say about this? <laughs> because Kang is so pissed off at Salom. Like he's worth more than that to him. Even though his pedestal is cracked and as you said, it's been taken from him. It's shaking. Like how could he lower himself like this? But Salom feels worthless. You know, he's not even as important. Because even do- though, even even if uh, he took the pedestal out from from Salom, I mean, it, he did that before, and Salom still held his head high. Yeah, he always believed in himself. And what the fuck is going on right now? Yeah, well, that's right. And it's like we talked about it the other day about how. Like- I, mean, I have more to say. I have more to say about this. I'm waiting for you because I have so much to say. <laughs> well, it's, yeah, it's like we, we talked about this as well, and you'll probably touch on this too. You may even want to jump in now, but like Salon feels worthless because he's not even as important as one of those t-shirts that King has in his closet. Like, you know, grandma makes a mention of it when he freaks out because she cut up one of his t-shirts to fix Salom's bag. And she makes that comment about like how he's got thousands of them just hanging out in there or whatever. And like, so like, you know, if you think about this from, if you think about the way he was discarded from Salom's point of view, like he's not even worth as much as a t-shirt. Um, and it's just, you know, and it's so much worth, worse because all of this has happened after he's given himself to Kang. And, you know, it's, <sighs> As I said, it's so much worse because it's like it happens after they have sex, after he really gave Kang a part of himself that he can't ever get back. And he feels so much more empty and less than he was before. And I feel like he feels ashamed as well because, like, even though he called Kang and wanted him to save him and everything, he doesn't want him to see him like this. Um, There's a big difference from being vulnerable and scared and vulnerable and feeling stupid um, for making a mistake. But yeah, I feel like in this, like, King is just, like, he wants to be close. Like, he wants him. He's so angry and he's so scared. And Salom is, like, right here. But he's not his anymore. But then he offers himself and he's challenging King and he can't back down. And Salom in this moment, like, he wants King. Like, you you know he wants King to save him. He doesn't feel safe. He feels lost. He feels dumb. He feels embarrassed. And it hurts to be this close and not be King's again. And I feel like he's like, should he just give in and let King have him? It's like what they both want anyway. And as soon as King moves on Salom, he looks pained. Like he's upset that King isn't being careful and gentle with him, I feel. And this isn't the way he wants King. Like, but he needs him. So he clings. The way he clings to him. Like, I know people had an issue with this scene because they felt like it was, you know, Kang taking advantage or like whatever and but it's this is clear that is clearly not what's happening here um he's given permission but not only that he's like 
Salom's response to him is not to struggle or push him away or do any- like he is clinging to him like he wants this even as he hates himself um he wants Kang for as long as he can have him for as long as he can hold on to him and I feel like he's like he's not gonna let go so easy um even if it hurts even if Kang hates him because he loves Kang and he needs him right and so he clings and hearing the words you're nothing but money to me I feel like Kang is like it's he, there, there's certain things that Salom like Salom is a like this is the thing this is the thing that gets me that I feel like people are forgetting as well Salom is a really smart guy <laughs> and he understands Per, uh, Perth. <laughs> he understands Kang really, really well. Um, and there are certain words that you could, and certain things you could say to Kang that are like barbed wire, and this is definitely one of them. The the amount of t- times that you know, um, Kang has asked for reassurance and for like confirmation that he's that he means something to Salom. Um, this the the words he chooses here aren't a mistake like he does it on purpose he barbs his words and like hearing the words yeah you're nothing from but money from me if it to me rather like kang is rational he he knows it's a lie like but he's scared like we know his self-worth's not great either so i mean i'm sure there's some fear in there that he's not worth anything and you know hey salom is offering and it's funny because um when he says those words to Salom, he is like taken aback for a second. Um, and it's like it reminds me of the last time that Salom used money to hit back at Kang. Um, and the last time he lashed out physically and this time he used his words instead. So I feel like it was just, it, it cut him just as deep. Well, actually, probably more so. And it's like, I feel like in this moment, Kang is in a place where Salom is so close and this, he's so frustrated. Like words aren't making a difference. Like they're not listening to each other. Um, so he kisses him and Salom lets him and he just holds on to him tight and this, but this isn't really what he wants. Like he wants them back. He wants Salom to be his and he wants to be Salom's, but this, this isn't his Salom, this passive participant who should be raging at him for pushing him away. This isn't his Salom. So like Kang just, the way he just starts laying there and shaking over him and Salom tightens his hold even more, like he's trying to hold them together. Like he's trying to hold Kang together and Kang remembering that first and last time when he held a breaking Salom and he wants to go back. Like he never wanted to be the one who would break this boy that he loves. Not after he saw him that first night, like not after he knew how important he was, how brave, how beautiful, how smart and how like when he became his. So they like cling to each other and they cry and they love and they break and they heal together in this moment. And I love it. But the sexual assault comments really bugged me. Like, the older guy was definitely assaulting him. Um, in my country, if you have sexual, if you engage in sexual activities with someone who is under the influence of alcohol, so like even if you like have had too much drink and you can't drive, then technically by law in my country, you are not able to consent to sexual activities. So this person has drugged him out cold. So he was definitely like in- assaulting him. Um, but I was just like, 
Kang being given permission, it's not pretty what happens here, but Salome is clinging to him while this is going on. This is not a, you know, this is not an assault. Um, I suppose one could argue that Salome may not, may have been impaired still here but we're not meant to think so i don't think we he's he seems pretty aware conscious and coherent we're meant to think that he's fine even though like realistically in the real world he wouldn't be um but kang should know better like i feel like even as salom taunts him and when salom is concerned he's never been able to really hold back and his shit at communication so they both are in this moment and so this starts between them as this like desperate angry but consensual, like, intimacy, sex charge moment, but it ends almost immediately because Kang doesn't want to hurt Salom and he wants to care for him and this isn't that. They're too angry and they're too in pain and they're too broken and it just feels wrong, so he stops. Um, and I feel like just because it feels wrong doesn't mean it's, like, a bad thing. It's, like, the, it's just the opposite of how and where he wants them to be. So I feel like you know like this isn't them they desperately love each other so this is so far from that honeymoon mind-blowing moment that Kang, like of their first time that Kang talks about that it's enough to feel intensely like inadequate and desperate and going part back to part one of four this is that thing i was bringing i, I mentioned earlier when Kang jumps on him and kisses salom's neck and salom's laughter is such a vivid contrast to this scene because like one is clearly devastating and the other one is filled with joy and and everything but in both he clings to Kang and holds Kang to him and so they break and it's like they finally got close that their hearts press together and they can't lie anymore and they can't hide from each other anymore and I mean I have to I keep I know I've like really really gone on about how amazing Perth's acting is in this episode but like in this scene as well like the way he's physically shaking just like was killing me I feel like he played Kang in this moment so well it really and um Kes the North Face uh, on Tumblr mentioned that it seems like Kang is speaking here and uh, I've seen other people mentioning whispering and stuff and it's it's he maybe I'm, I'm not really sure whether i'm i think that's what's happening or not but it, if he is it's probably just a bunch of um desperate words along the lines of you know i love you i'm sorry i won't let you go again um all those sorts of things that you think would be uttered in that moment um and of course we're missing subs so we don't actually know but like the lyrics break into this um with the part the coldest plight to pass me by and I'm like I when I saw that I was like oh thank Christ that means that the worst has passed um <laughs> at least I hope so this is I feel like this is the moment like this is the, the the darkest moment and now they can heal and move on and heal each other from like the depths of their despair and they move into the pure light and then we get the lyrics I'm heading in the direction that feels right and they are just like clinging so tight to one another here and then the whole something has changed inside and it's like as soon as they got close, that physical connection, their bubble snapped back into place. They can't hide. They can't hide how they really feel and they can't, you know. So this is their truth, their truth when they're being honest with each other in this moment. And I feel like the words don't really matter because their entire beings are focused on not letting go of one another. Um, I do wish we had like a different camera angle here because I feel like, 
like I understand why we got the close-ups it's more intense it's more intimate but I really wanted to see more of their movements because I feel like we got these hints of Kang's aborted grappling on how to hold and touch Salom in this moment while he's while Salom is like just clinging to him um for me it's like somewhat in between desperation not knowing if he's really allowed to have this right to just even hold him and afraid he might hurt him more. Like, I feel like there's all these kind of like aborted um, movements of like how he's trying to hold Salom and I wish we could see it better. And yeah, I guess like, I just, I, there really wasn't anything in this scene that I didn't like. And I'm curious to know what you have to say about it. Cause you'd be really quiet. <laughs> yeah. I want to go through this scene and, talk about how what to think about it so I want to say that I watched episode two because I with when we're talking I um, remember saying something about episode two and I went to watch the first several episodes because I feel like a lot of stuff that is happening right now is mirroring the stuff from the first episode so I was curious to see what else maybe might happen Mm -hmm. and I had this idea that I want to hear Kang say, I'm sorry for being a jerk to you again. Because in episode two, grandma forces him to say that. Mm. And I kind of want to hear him say this again. Yeah. So during my mo- the moment then he like he tries to get the reaction out of Salom, he climbs onto him and he says, I'll buy you my- myself, wanted, And he throws money. And then he waits he does all this stuff to make Salom fight back. In episode two, Kang mm. says, I wanted to show you that money can buy everything. You should have accepted my offer from the beginning. And then he throws the money into Salom's face. At that point, Salom hits him in the face and throws all the money that he got from, from him to into uh, Kang. And when Salom is, says, you're just money to me, it's... <laughs> It's just like that. It's like punching yeah. Kang's face. Yeah, it's like and he did he, the same thing. Yeah. And he recoils. And when he... and But even when he was the angriest in the first episode, Salom never told him anything like that. Because that obviously is one of the worst things he could have said to Kang. Mm. Because that's one of the reasons why Kang was so angry with the world. He knew people used him from, for his money. They only saw him for his money. And now Salom is trying to hurt Kang because he knows his vulnerability. Mm. But the thing is, it means accepting this narrative that Kang was trying to force on him in episode two, which makes him the thing that can be bought. And like by devaluing, by, by transforming Kang into the money, he transforms himself into the thing that can be bought. So he basically... Uh, declares that he's a thing he's worth he has you know he's worthless as a person he's just a thing to be bought and so a lot of stuff is mirroring from episode two Kang saving him from the assault he's the hero but the problem is that he's one of the monsters now that broke Salom in a way I think he maybe realizes it himself he broke Salom's spirit and dignity something that he was unable to do in episode two so he does all this stuff that he did before that made Salom be Salom, be the Salom that he got obsessed with, the core Salom. Mm. But he's not there. It's just it's just this empty shell 
Salome doesn't act as expected because now he knows how Salome, he acted not as expected in episode in the first episode, but now he knows him and now he expects that uh, reaction from him. And again, he does not act as expected because he's broken. So he's basically trying to get him to fight with words. And Salome is like, yeah, I guess I'm dumb. He throws the money on him and tries to get him to fight back by offering to buy him. And Salome is like, yeah, I guess you can buy me. And then he tries to get him to fight by kissing him. And instead, Salome just clings to him. And so Ken breaks down because this frightens him. He understands that there, there are no doors anymore. There's no, there are no walls. There's no building. There's nothing. Salome is not there. And then we get the flashback because he finally understands that that Salome needs Kang to save him. He finally understands how lost Salome is and also that he is attacking Salome and Salome is defenseless right now. He can't mm-hmm. fight back. He doesn't have the strength. He, the strength. he doesn't have the resources. He has nothing. Salome needs him and now he will be there for him because this is what Kang White wanted from the beginning, Salome needing him. He used Siloam letting go so easily as something to help justify himself and to draw this line between them. And it's just so funny how they basically felt the same, just used and worthless and lonely in this episode. This is why this is a fucking dangerous romance and why the title fits, because look what they did to each other. I know, right? But they're the only two that can build each other back as well, like... I mean, the way they are just clinging. I, I am gagging for the like the first part of episode 11, or actually pretty much the whole entire episode, because I want to know where where they go from here. Like, ultimately, I mean, we know in the preview that they are they fall asleep together and everything, and there's this, like, amazing bit where, like, Kang is holding on to uh, Salom. Like, he's afraid that when he wakes up, he's not going to be in the bed next to him like we saw at the beginning of this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, I want to see all of those con- those conversations that I hope we're going to get to witness. You know what I think he feels when he just realizes everything and now they're both crying and everything? Mm-hmm. I think he, he feels relief. Who, because, Kang? Kang? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because just at, as we were talking before, He's addicted to Salom's vulnerability. Mm. He's addicted to Salom's need. He hates it. He hates it, but he also loves it. And at first he thought he doesn't need him and maybe there's nothing left there to protect. But then Salom cries with him and clings to him and he has found his purpose again as a a protector. Mm. I feel like as well they, they have in that moment realized as well that they it's like one of those things where like yes you're getting that for sure but it's like Kang is uh, Salom is also realizing that he needs he needs to be held he needs to be like they're both realizing these things about each other that they have like either not admitted or you know not um even like admitted to themselves alone each other you know so they're Mm -hmm. It's yeah, it's really the whole thing I just think is was done very, very well. As I said, I'm really, really curious um about next episode. And as I said, the only thing maybe that bothers me about this series is 
we know that they have deep conversations about things because we've been like alerted to it. Like we know, for example, that they had the conversation about Salom having feelings for him for a long time and things like that, but we didn't get to witness them. And there's some really kind of important conversations that I feel like we need to witness them have. Um, I really want to hear them say, I love you. Like I, I really, more than anything else, like I know there's a bunch of like weirdo contingencies out there that are hanging out for another kiss or whatever, but I just want to hear them say, I love you to each other because I feel like they need to hear it. Like both of them need to hear mm-hmm. it. Me too. Even though it's so obvious, like a blind man could see it and like, they know, like, of course they know, like, especially after this, they know, but like, I feel like I need to hear them say it. <laughs> Yeah, because like, they've been playing around with metaphors and other languages and everything, but they never said it in their own language directly to each other. They need to say this to each other. Yeah, like for serious. It's like even like if, if you go back to the beginning of the episode after they like the morning after they've had sex and everything, and we got that whole like um kind of you know cute flirty jokey thing, and to a certain extent it's it's amusing to me as well because this scene basically is starts out being driven by Selom with his like somewhat flirtiness like wearing the shirt, acting like his you know uh, um. Kang's servant like all of these like I guess like kind of like cliche little like flirt moments um wearing his shirt because he knows he likes the way he smells and all of these things and then as soon as like Kang kind of like tries to flip that back to him he just like loses his mind but um the way Kang does it is so it's so uh, I I was I once again I loved the acting in this bit I loved the way that he enunciated his words when he says about like oh I've got your your scent on me from last night or whatever it is he says um just the way he says it it just sounds really interesting like the the language sounded really interesting um Mm -hmm. and I'm just like but he was so kind of like casual in the way he says about like he's it's it's really like his his and it's why it's the main reason why like Salom gets all shy and like is like no nothing happened is because he's so like kind of blunt and casual about it and it's like mm-hmm. it doesn't fit with what's just happened to them but he's just like it it's like it's bringing innocent child a little bit and it reminds me you know we we talked about this I think in the reaction as well like where he's like oh it was mind-blowing don't you think or whatever it's like he's trying to ask for a score again um so they're always trying to get this especially Kang trying to get this like reassurance from one another but I just yeah I I I really feel like we need the I love yous yeah I hope the angst is over in the next episode yeah I mean I have multiple theories I mean I was fine and then you know we had that conversation with Kess earlier and she was like oh me do you think they're going to be back together again next episode and I I feel like it's not as simple as that unfortunately but um, I mean, I have them. I hope the main issue gets resolved, like with Saifar and with the dad and everything. You know, with the shooting and everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe, I mean, maybe, maybe their relationship will the resolution to their relationship will be in the last episode. That is possible. Yeah. Now, I just realized <laughs> that I almost forgot the most important part of this podcast. <laughs> oh. <laughs> which is our theories as to how did Kang find Salom so quickly because like 
you know, like we, he rang him, sure enough, right? So, but like, there's I have so many questions. What happened to his phone? Did like creepy old guy pick up his phone? Did creepy old guy hang up the phone? Or did Kang like answer and hear creepy old guy going, Salam, Salam? Because he sounded super panicked and then he had this like creepy old man face. Um, yeah, but we got, we cut to the phone and uh, no one answered yet when yeah. that happened. So, and then, but, like, it's, like, how did he know? Like, I know there was some, like, theories of, like, maybe he's got, like, find my phone or whatever on his phone. And it's, like, but, like, that then you assume that the phone got picked up and taken with him to the bedroom, which seems weird, but maybe. Um, and there was just, there were all these theories as to, like, why. So, like, what was your, your theory was that he'd been sort of stalking him? Was that your theory? Yep. So, and my theory was sent <laughs> because I feel like he sniffed out Salom because, you know, his nose knows. <laughs> he knows where he is. <laughs> his nose knows. This is he's... the best theory ever. <laughs> his nose knows. Like, he's he's been smelling him a lot. So, I feel like, you know, he's a bit like a, um, <laughs> like one of those dogs that sniffs stuff out. I can't think what they're called. Um, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean, though. Like he, he uh-huh. got the scent. He, he just grabbed. He just had one of Salom's Sel- t-shirts. He had a good whiff, and then just like followed it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I know it's probably just one of those drama things where we'll never know. But I'm like, seriously, dude, how did you know? And then like, no, beyond how did he know? How did he get in the hotel room? Like, I mean, we know he's never met a door he couldn't get into when Salom was on the other side. But still, like, I'm just like. That was the only part of the the thing that probably took me out of the episode a little bit because I was just like, how did he find him? But then I was like, of I course. wonder. I I wonder if we get an explanation in the next episode. Yeah, look, there's so many like there's, there's so many conversations and so many things I want to see. Like, I want to know how they get from clinging to one another to in bed together in nice white bright t-shirts. Like, where did the t-shirts come no. from? Because in the, second, in the second episode, there's such a good explanation regarding why uh, he was there to rescue Siloam. It was so good. Like, he was there to threaten him with the gun. And I feel like we need a really good one for this scene as well, because otherwise it will be a bit, like, mm, a bit disappointing. Yeah, like, how did he turn up? Yeah, it's just so weird to me that he's just there. I mean, he, I, we, we already have sort of theorized that he's like not spending a lot of time at home because he can't stand to be there without Solon being there and just. But we forget flashbacks. Like we did not really have a lot of Kang's point of view in this episode. What if in the next episode they talk it out and Kang tells him what he's been up to? Yeah, we see some flashbacks. Yeah. You know what, also, I actually really hope we get a continuation of this scene and not just jump up to... Um, like the next to morning. Yeah, yes. I, I want a conversation. I want a conversation between them. You it's- know, they've been pretty good about this up until now. Like, every scene that ended up really intense, like, they always go back to explain what happened like, next. Always. Like, when yeah. Salon kisses Kang, when... Uh, they kiss in the bathroom when Pimfa tells Kang that she likes Salom and what else happened. Like they, they always go back to explain what happened. I really hope they don't leave this just like this and we yeah. maybe maybe even hear what they're saying when they're crying. Yeah, because the thing is, yeah, well, that's right. Even that would probably be enough of an insight into what would like potentially 
you know, where they're going to go or whatever. But it's like, because you're right, we they've either given us a, a direct continuation of the scene, the previous scene, or we get an explanation in flashbacks um, from the other person's point of yeah. view, like the like the kiss, you know, like we said, like you said, like in the in the kiss scene, it was definitely from Salom's point of view initially, and then when we got the flashback, it was Kang's point of view. So it would be interesting to see, to see even if we got it in a flashback, because I would be curious to see like whose point of view it would be and like how different it might be from the scene we've just seen. Um, I feel like it would be. I feel like the scene that we just saw was. I, like if I had to pick a point of view or pick a, a a point of angst, I actually would choose Kang for this. So I would be really curious to see Salom's point of view of what's just happened here because I feel like they have the opportunity to like use a little bit of that impaired judgment and like, you know, like to sort of frame it in a slightly different way. Um, I would be curious to see what they would do. But yeah, I'm... I I very much feel like we need a conversation like a directly after this moment conversation um, because we see them in the bed together and we're getting like a voiceover of like, you know, if it was me, would you think I had done it or something like that? And Hang says, no, because I trust you. But I like, obviously that's not happening there because they're asleep. So that could part be part of the, con- oh no, they're not, they're sitting up talking, aren't they? No, sorry. I'm getting confused. Yeah, they are yeah. setting up having a conversation. But it's there's a bit later on as well where something is said and, you know, like it's said over a different scene. So it's they do that sometimes to, to confuse us, I think. So we don't, you know, it may not belong to that scene or whatever. So They're so good with, with the trailers. I, I think I said it before, like I'm so impressed with the way they uh, make the trailers and previews. I mean, not previews in inside the episode, but the trailer for the next episode. I'm impressed. The people who are working on the trailers for this series are really like doing a really, really, really good job. Bravo yeah. to them. They're amazing. Yeah. Well, it's it's interesting too because like the trailer for this, like you get the scene at the beginning, and I at the beginning I was thinking, like, where are they? Because the background is so different to the hotel they're in now. At least it looks like it's different to me. So I, at first I wondered maybe that were they at Salom's house because we actually haven't seen his bedroom. Oh, no, we did see his bedroom when he was getting – when he went home to get changed for a date. It's very white. Okay, I take it back. But I had already decided that I was wrong with that anyway because I went back and, like, for the 20 millionth time – watched the trailer to see the shower scene where Salon breaks down and says I have nobody and Kang's like well you know you have me where are they there I feel like they're not in I don't think they're in Kang's house right no they're not not. the color it's like bright orange like it has to be a hotel is it like a neutral territory they do they go to a hotel to stay together I'm just I don't know (laughs) it's weird yeah, well, it's not the hotel they're in, so they must go to a different hotel. That or they're at someone else's house, like one of their friends' What do you mean, not the hotel? What do you mean, not the hotel they're in? Well, because at the end of this scene, they're in a hotel room, right? But this... Oh, no, not at all. Of course, no. They, oh, I, I think they leave this place as soon as they, like, get their shit together. They want, they would not want to stay there. No, but, like, and as I said, this, the scene where they wake up together and the scene when they're in the shower, they look like they're the same place because there's a bright orange wall in both of them. Um, but it's definitely not the hotel they're in. So it's not Salom's house. Yeah. It's not Kang's house. So it's either another hotel room somewhere or it's um 
like maybe like I don't know like Nava or Max's house or something it looks too posh to be Guy or Auto's house so that's the other option I guess or maybe Pimfar but I don't know but um it looks more richy rich so it's something mm-hmm. like that but it's interesting because the scene when but, but Salome crying in someone else's house I feel like it must be a neutral territory yeah it has to be a hotel I feel like yeah, I feel like it has to be a hotel. And I also not, wonder if they're not... If was in Navas or Bimfas house, yeah. he would just let himself... Yeah, um, I feel so too. And it's interesting because um, he tried so hard, you know, all through this season or this series rather to like hide his vulnerabilities and that even from Kang up until like now this point in time and then clearly it's like he's opened that door and it's like a floodgate has opened because we get this scene where he basically breaks down in front of him again so it's very like um interesting and and like a really interesting character development which I think we we discussed that we wanted to see um but um I feel like it's confusing like I feel like the it's the trailer is made to look like the bit where they're in bed with the white t-shirts is like the morning after this and I don't think it is I think I know, it's not I don't think it is I, think, <laughs> I don't think it I know is. I think that the um I think the scene where Salom gets shot at and Kang rescues him happens and then they somehow end up maybe they're hiding out they end up in a hotel room and mm-hmm. we get the shower scene and then we get the scene of them in bed with the yeah, white really t-shirts and the conversation in the morning and all of that so mm-hmm. it'd be really interesting to see what happens here whether they have a conversation or whether like one of them freaks out and leaves which would actually also be kind of warranted because this was like really kind of um like they've had sex, but this was really intimate. Like this is, they definitely like have laid themselves bare a little bit here, and I could understand like one of them panicking and like. I think it would be, it. it would be Salom. Oh, of course it would be. There's no way Kang is leaving head, voluntarily. This is head, it is Salom. In his head, Salom is alone. Yeah, and I just Salom. Feel- Even though Kang showed up right now, it, it he would need to. The, he needs time and he needs more in order to start trusting that he is there for yeah. him. He needs the words, I feel like. Like, fully needs the words. But and I don't actions. know if it's the words. I don't know. I think it's the actions. I yeah. think, I think uh, maybe he needs-, he, needs, he needs Kang to choose him over something else. Like, yeah. the way he chose to, uh, you know, kind of betray his dad to save Otto. Yeah. Like, he put his dad in trouble in order to save Otto. I feel like he needs to make a choice in favor of Salom. Well, I think that's going to happen anyway. I think that's what we're going to get with that conversation where he says about, you know, like, would you think I was guilty, blah, blah, blah. And he's going to say, no, well, it's because I trust you. I feel like that's then going to be them, like, trying to find the truth or something like that. I could be wrong. but And so that that in itself would would mean that he um, that he believes that, like, you know, like he's helping to basically prove, I guess, that Salom is a guilty partner. But what if there is also this thing that Salom, Salom, why did he leave? Because he thinks he brought this on Kang. He thinks, you know, he has trouble. I mean, that's possible. I feel like he's he's likely to run anyway just because of the vulnerability of the scene. 
like because the vulnerability of that moment whereas uh, like Kang is less inclined to leave because he's not going to want to let him out of his sight which is probably why he turns up just when um like Salom needs him when he's getting shot at or whatever because Kang has been looking for him like actively looking for him mm-hmm. or maybe they're uh there to get something and like Kang has been waiting. Maybe it's a plan, but I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I'm very, very, very curious. And I, I can't wait. I honestly can't wait. But uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we get a scene where we don't get the conversation we wanted to, or maybe we do. Maybe we do get to hear what um, Kang is saying, and you know, like he falls asleep or something because he's just like so wrung out and exhausted from like all of the emotions and everything, and Salom like freaks and like runs off. <laughs> Kang wakes up alone. Like, I would be surprised if we got a scene like that. I'm both scared and excited. Yeah, no, I, me too. I wouldn't be surprised surprised to get the scene where Kang wakes up alone. I, I was just thinking it. Like, <laughs> Yeah, and it's because it would make the scene that we get later on of them in bed together with his hand on, like, Salon, like he's afraid yeah. he's going to disappear, make it make so much more sense. Yeah. Like, even more so. Like, I wouldn't be surprised, like, from, like, mm-hmm. then onwards if he just, like, starts tying Salom to him. <laughs> he, like, ties the wrists together. <laughs> Handcuffs. <laughs> Microchips him. Sorry? Microchips him. Yeah, well, I mean, that's another theory as to when he, how he knew who he was. <laughs> he he low-jacked his equipment. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm super curious to know, like, if we get some sort of answer as to if he knew. I would actually love to see a flashback scene as well of him receiving that call and, like, what he, like, his reaction. Like, his panic, his, you know, whatever. I mean, like, we know what it would be like, but I would love to see it as well. You know, that's, that would be, that would be the great way to show what Kang has been up to in episode, this episode, to show what he has been doing and to show his reaction to the call. That would be really, like, I, I think that's how, you know, it would be the most satisfying thing that could happen to show a continuation of this and maybe have them have a conversation and uh, explain how he got there so fast and, you know, have a flashback where it's explained. I just actually had a thought. What if like during this time, during, during the gap between like when he had this conversation with grandma, where he was clearly, clearly questioning himself and not at all believing anything he was saying and like this end scene what if he had come to the conclusion himself that he needed to prove that Sapphire didn't do it and he's been like trying to find out information or like whatever and he's been like working on his own um, but he doesn't get the chance to tell Salom that or like you know like after everything settles down because Salom just like takes off um, that's, and that's interesting how they, and that's how they kind of end up together that's a very very hero move from him like a real hero move yeah and then like that's how they end up that's like how he ends up sort of rescuing him from the people shooting at him because basically like they were in the same place to try and get the same information well we'll see anyway all right if not it'd make a good fan fiction (laughs) get writing somebody (laughs) you have so many theories i mean so many ways this could have I know. Gone. I know. Gone, like. Yeah, I'm. I yeah, I am really interested to see what will happen. You know, not just with them, but with the other characters, and you know. So, do we think the father's going to wake up? Mm, yeah. I mean, it looks like he's going to. Is he going to get the chance? <laughs> I think there's been so much drama between them. I don't think 
like we can handle more. Yeah, I, <laughs> I don't think they'll do this to us, to us. You need to have some re- sort of reconciliation, don't you? Well, that was fun. At least for us it was. If you made it to the end, I'm not sure if we should apologise or congratulate you. But thanks again for spending your time with us. Join us in the next podcast as we react to the next episode of Dangerous Romance. Please check out our Twitter and Tumblr at CriticallyOBS for all future posting schedules. Bye for now. I'm Mirella. And I'm Zoe and we'll see you next time.